Bling Blong, everyone. Our new podcast miniseries, Talking Mission Hill, is now exclusively on Patreon. Put on your spicy pants every Friday with a new podcast covering each episode of the cult series from Simpsons legends Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. $5 subscribers at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons can hear every episode, plus all of our previous miniseries about Futurama, King of the Hill, and The Critic. So don't be a Beardsley. Sign up for Talking Mission Hill today. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy, everybody, and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that specializes in pointless nostalgia. I'm your host, Pudding Listener Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today. Henry Gilbert, and come on, give me lots of honey! And who do we have on the line? Oh, are you asking me who? what is my name? Yes. My name is Mike Carlson. <laughs> I'm from Podcast The Ride. I'm on the line. Excellent, and today's episode is Guess Who's Coming to Criticize Dinner. Pointless nostalgia. Exactly. Today's episode aired on October 24th, 1999. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby! Jennifer Love Hewitt's Party of Five spinoff begins. It will be canceled within five months and co-stars Jennifer Garner. Hmm. The New York Yankees sweep the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series in four games and in a very weird Halloween Havoc in 1999, Sting defeats Hulk Hogan because he lays down in the ring and chooses to lose and no one speaks of it the next day on uh, Monday Nitro. Oh, wow. Wow, that was this day? That was this very day, the same day. Wow. (laughs) What's the story? One of the str- I mean, wrestling is full of strange stuff, but that is one of the strangest finishes, I think. Like top twenty, top maybe? twenty, I think. Yeah, and WCW had a lot of strange ones, and it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the plot was they were writing a Sting versus Hulk Hogan match, which they'd done that before, but they were leading up to it, and then WCW had hired a new writer, Vince Russo, who was famous for uh, swerves and uh, surprising the audience. And so it comes to the Sting and Hogan match on the pay-per-view, and they wanted it to look like it was a real thing happening, not to performers pretending. And so Hulk Hogan lays down and says, pin me, and Sting pins him, and then Hogan walks away and acts angry. And so Mm. you're meant to think Hulk Hogan, or Terry Buela... (laughs) is saying, I don't want to lose this match, so fuck it, and he walks away. And the weirdest thing is, because they want to pretend that it was real, then the commentators don't even talk about it the next night on TV, and it's it, it made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, Vince Russo was just trying to... He was trying to, like, outsmart even the smart fans who, like, of course know how much it's a, wor- a quote-unquote work, which is fake. So he wanted to, like, do, like, three layers on top of what you normally think of wrestling as blurring the lines between real and fake. And, uh, and it just was confusing. Yeah. If you're an online internet fan, like I was in 1999, you instantly go to a website who re-reports what Dave Meltzer says, and Dave Meltzer says, oh, it's fake, and it's, it's meant to trick you. And then you go, like, well... Duh, okay, fine. So it didn't trick you, 
And then the people at home uh, who are casual fans who don't ob- obsess about every detail of wrestling, they're just like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> I just wanted to see two men grab each other. <laughs> yes. Uh, Vince Russo, too smart for his own good, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not a wrestling fan. As this conversation was happening, I was just looking at pictures of Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, for research, of course. Of course. Uh, because uh, the show was called Time of Your Life. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and uh, I was just looking at like promotional stuff for it. Her breasts are prominently featured in They're all the PR materials. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but was she one of those orphans in that show? In that she party was a show? girlfriend of an orphan, okay. I believe. There's like yeah. Scott Wolf, uh, yeah. Lost Guy. Yeah, so she was Scott Wolf's girlfriend on the show. Lacey Chalbert. Uh, yeah. Shab- Chabert. Chabert, right? yes. The first yeah. Meg Griffin. The original Meg Griffin, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Wow. Was, was the dog one of the five? Mm, uh, or was no, it? Okay. no. It was a uh, boy. I think they had a baby in there, too. There's a baby floating around. Everyone wants to be closer to three? Oh, closer to three. Three. Yeah. I think, believe it's not I, I would like to do a podcast on Jennifer Love Hewitt's TV career. She's had a weird one. It's yeah. interesting. Ghost she, Whisperer, Client List. Now she's on 911 on Fox. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. talked about her hand job drama series, The Client List. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in an earlier yes. episode, for some reason. I don't think I've said actually. I don't think I've said the word client, the phrase client list yet on a podcast. This is the first time I'm referencing the client list. I have made mention that I heard of somebody who did a guest spot on the Ghost Whisperer that she told people that she was actually being haunted by a ghost at the time. Wow. Uh, that's I, she was telling too many ghost secrets on television. <laughs> yeah, or she, I mean, as, to use a wrestling phrase, she was living the gimmick. Oh, you're right, yeah. She was a ghost gossip. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jennifer Garner is lucky that show got canceled, because if it had gone on for like two seasons, she couldn't have done Alias, I don't think. It was called Time of Your Life. That's like a that's like a no-fail uh, title for a show <laughs> no. in 99. The audience said, good riddance to Time of Your Life, <laughs> says Bob Mackey. <laughs> because the show, was that it, the theme? Boy, I, I don't know if it was, but if it was, what a get. I hope they I'll look into it. it. Yeah, the... That song is called Good Riddance, by the mm-hmm. way. Time Your Life <laughs> oh, is yeah. in parentheses. Let's yeah. never forget that. Bob, you're just as clever as the uh, the criticizing headlines in this episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> well, I did work in the press for a time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the Yankees beat the Braves. I just, as, as a uh, former resident of Atlanta, it made me sad whenever the Yankees would beat the Braves. But especially a four-game sweep, that uh, that's sad. But uh, who cares? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no uh, one cares. <laughs> but joining us today is Mike Carlson of Podcast The Ride, one of our favorite podcasts. Yes. Hello, Mike. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, we last heard you in our uh, when we were doing the end of season 10 with They Save Lisa's Brain. You guys have been killing it with the podcast The Ride the, the last few months. Uh, I mean, in general, you, you always do. But yeah, it's been great. Well, thank you. Uh, yes, I mean, it's all... Some are remote. We had banked a lot of episodes, so a lot of them, uh, you know, feel like they're from early in 2020, which they are. <laughs> so, you know, it's as if nothing changed in the world when we were yeah, doing those because it happened. hadn't yet. And I have to thank so. you for bringing uh, Blue 32 into my life because yes. I wander oh. around my apartment talking to myself a lot because I'm alone a lot now. And one of the things I say is, love, David, <laughs> just like Blue 32. <laughs> Uh, well, we have to thank uh, our past guest, Jason Wolner, I think, for putting this, sh- David. It was, so basically, 
This is from a David Copperfield show that he is, was still doing it at the MGM Grand in Vegas. And I assume we'll pick up once this COVID-19 is done or when, I don't know, when a mayor just decides to reopen things, which is, who knows, could have been happening by now when, when we record this. Who knows? But uh, Blue 32 is a little blue alien. I don't know if you talked about him on the show. No, Not yet. No. <laughs> no. We're trying to book him. Well, he's, yeah, he's he's uh, voiced by Rob Paulson, a tune voice acting legend, Rob Paulson. Mm-hmm. He shows up in the middle of David Copperfield's Vegas show. Uh, he's introduced as an alien that worked with David's father during World War II. Which is unbelievable. It's a it's a truly ridiculous jump for that to take. I you know I hate to spoil things for folks who haven't seen it, but uh, you'd, I'd never see a David Copperfield show uh, when I was in town. But now that I know about Blue, I kind of the next time I'm in Vegas, I hope to see Me him. Too. It is a must see show. It's a puppet. It's like. I mean, it's like a robot, really. It's like a robot puppet. It's like 12 inches or bigger. And David pulls him out of like a little capsule in the middle of the tiny like tiny-ish MGM Grand Theater and they do like comedy together and it's a <laughs> lot of like Blue 32 calling women in the audience hot. Mm-hmm. And she's so like, she's hot, David. And he's got like a New York, ac- kind of a New York accent. Like, uh, look at her. I, you know, uh, I don't know if I told you this the last time we met, but my theory is Mike Reese wrote that stuff or was oh, a writer on that. I, oh, interesting. Because in, in Mike Reese's book, uh, which is really great, right. Springfield Confidential, he, you know, he talks a lot about his career, not just The Simpsons, though. And that includes, you know, talking about his friend, David Copperfield, and he shows funny pictures of them together and they've, they've hung out. And so I would totally imagine that in like, you know, 2005 or something, Mike Reese gets hooked up with David Copperfield to, you know, write jokes for for his uh, comedy puppet. <laughs> wow. I mean, the show. Wow. That's I would love to know. I, I forget how long he's been doing this version. I don't know when Blue started. I feel like it's around 2010, but I could be wrong. That might be wrong. But uh, God, I would love to know because like it's the credits for a show like that aren't listed anywhere. So yeah. it's impossible to know. I, I like as a as a cartoon watcher and as somebody who knows the names of voice actors i was like immediately like oh that's rob paulson but it doesn't say co-starring rob paulson anywhere <laughs> it'd be nice so if they had credits at the be... end of vegas shows that'd be funny <laughs> but... i would you know, i was hoping that rob paulson was just there live every night oh. <laughs> uh, but... uh, well now this makes me want to at mike reese on twitter and be like did you write is blue is blue your character did you do this oh, you you gotta do it right. um did you see blue was on david posted on social media a picture of Blue during quarantine. No. Oh, no, I haven't seen this. Blue had a mask on. Oh, he's, he's being responsible. And they, because generally, David, they hide Blue. Blue is not really advertised anywhere. There's a tiny little statue of him in the lobby, but they don't say, like, this is David Copperfield's bizarre alien show. <laughs> <laughs> so Blue has been very much hidden. There's not, like, there's a little bit of merch that looks bad, but you would never know what it is or what it relates to. So I was impressed that David actually posted a photo of Blue knowing that he, you know, he's so secretive of him. But I'll send you, I, I think we retweeted it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> That's That shows the specialness of this time that he's like, I have to even share Blue with the world because I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> the what world must experience joy by seeing my puppet. I'm talking a lot uh, about a fake alien, yes, but uh, yeah. this is what this is all about. Yes, look up uh, the podcast right episode about the David Copperfield show. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, has you think Mike Reese has been to Musha K? Mm, I David bet you. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, Mike Reese 
you know, he travels the world. He looks like he has an awesome life of just, you know, this lives in New York, flies into L.A. two times uh, once a week to do punch up on Simpsons. I would think multi, multi millionaire and just goes everywhere around the world. So for a jet setter like him, I think he's definitely been to Mushike at least once. Oh, uh, I got to get him. We got to get him on the show. <laughs> you all, you have him on like no Simpsons nerd talk here. This is no, just no, about no Simpsons talk. <laughs> Does David Copperfield have a monkey island? Has he trained those monkeys yet? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but I guess uh, uh, Mike, we should ask. Uh, like, uh, did you see this episode live? Were you still a uh, regular Simpsons viewer at the start of season eleven? I'm pretty sure I did. This episode's pretty familiar. I don't really remember when I stopped watching weekly, but I'm pretty sure I'm still watching this. Honestly, I think I would have thought this episode was before the episode we that we had podcast arrived did on your show the first time. So mm. I think my memory of this one is actually, I think, better than it was for the last one, which mm. is season 10. Yes. Yeah, this one was really memorable to me, too. And I find myself thinking of a lot of the quotes from it a lot. I forgot mm. they were all from this episode, but it's a very quotable and funny episode. Yeah, yeah, there's there's some really good stuff in here. My I think my only negatives on this episode is I do think Homer is getting meaner every episode and there's there's just some there's good comedy out of it, but him being directly mean to Lisa especially is like eh, I don't like this, but uh yeah, I I do think this really captures uh being a professional writer. It's uh it's a good look into that world. And they got some new guy named uh, Al Jean Al to write yes. it. Oh. Of course we know who Al Jean is, uh, yeah. but he's sneaking his way back into The Simpsons. This is another one of his, uh, his second freelance script, right? Uh, yeah. After Mom and Pop Arts. And then I think he's back full time at the official production season 11 as that begins. This is a leftover season two, 10. When you know Gene wrote it uh, and that he had just broken up with, uh, just professionally with Mike Reese, they're still friends. On good terms. But yeah, but they weren't writing together anymore. This episode about Homer not working with Lisa anymore at a certain point you do wonder like how much he's plumbing the depths of his of his life for that and also returning to the critic yeah also it's just a critic episode yes <laughs> oh yeah that's a good point <laughs> I would think this would probably and on the critic it would be you know uh, Francis Ford Coppola and Spielberg and uh, George Lucas they all team up to try to kill Jay Sherman that would be the <laughs> the version of this ending there mm, yeah that makes sense when, when did the critic end again 95 summer mm-hmm. of 95 okay. yep Right. So this was just a leftover script here. <laughs> Though, you know, boy, I think by late 99, he's working on those Icebox uh, critic shorts as well, though. Oh, yeah, you, you're uh, right. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's why he couldn't be full-time on Simpsons, though. Have you, have you treated yourself to those Icebox classics of the critic, Mike? I vaguely know what you're talking about. I don't... I, how short like they're a little short yeah they're basically are they even two minutes long mm, bear i think yeah i think uh we did a podcast about them as part of our talking critic miniseries and uh they're so rough and <laughs> not not great yeah uh are they commercial are they available for me to watch somewhere uh, yeah, they put them on the DVD. Yeah, and they're all on okay. YouTube, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. every critic episode is just on YouTube. They, apparently, Sony Entertain- Pictures Entertainment does not care. Is there is there any talk? Will the critic be back? You know, they've asked. Mike Reese has been asked that, too, and he's he points out, one, that about half the main cast is dead, unfortunately. Okay, fair enough. And, uh, and also, movie critics don't live anything like the life Jay Sherman lives now. So. That's, a good po- that's a good point. 
So it's it's kind of just lost the time. And uh, though though he says John Lovitz is in his ear every day, telling him like reboot the critic, make it. <laughs> I don't be- I don't believe that at all. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. You, you know, you could just make it. It would just be a lot sadder. Yeah, he'd be he'd be a sad, lonely man living, living with Marty, who's a blogger. No, oh, well, not yeah. even a blogger. Those those are now a forsaken profession. Yeah, I guess he'd be a Twitch streamer then. I yeah. suppose. <laughs> yeah, and the death of the newspaper industry and TV and mm, which yeah, I'd be really it'd be real sad. I mean, this episode is like twenty one years old, and it's about the death of newspapers. Or like, I know. Or really, I guess this episode is about when newspapers were told you have X years to live. It's not. It's not the death, but it's the the beginning of the terminal case. They're in hospice newspapers <laughs> right now. And yeah, wow. And uh, this this one too. I think the commentary is extra funny because there's too many writers in there, and they're, so they're being extra punchy and critical of uh, like kind of needling each other like that. Eh, it's a bad joke. It's it's a fun it's a fun commentary. Who else is dead other than uh, uh, Duke? Uh, the the voice of Marty, Christine Cavanaugh, and um, oh wow, and and Doris. Uh, she was the first to go. She, she oh right, 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 right. Well, so why don't we get started in the episode itself in the chalkboard gag? I want to explain that real quick. Oh yeah, I, I like did a deep research on this. I'm like, oh, what is okay. he what is he talking about? But that now I know. I mean, you can talk about it if you want to, Henry. Well, I've, yeah, I've got the notes too. So yeah, was uh, the last dawn was a book by Mario Puzo from 1996. The kind not a sequel to the godfather right but it's it's in the uh the godfather realm and then in uh, 97 and 98 it had a tv miniseries though two of them i that, guess they were they seem to be fairly popular it must have been pretty huge it's referencing yeah. it in this episode yeah yeah though it was like a year old at this point so it almost feels like too late to do a last on joke i don't know but uh <laughs> and uh, they were inspired i guess <laughs> and the uh, the couch gag too. It's a it's a fun one. It's like a first. I mean, so I think it's the first real appearance of Matt Groening on the show. Mm-hmm. There was a uh, courtroom sketch artist that right. looked like him, right. but this is just them saying here he is in his fun, uh, you know, big fat party animal shirts, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's going to write his name on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, and that is a real thing that if you, I'm sure we've all bought Simpsons merchandise and have seen that Matt Groening's signature <laughs> right there, invisible. I've seen. Art my uh, my girlfriend did that has Matt Groening's signature on it. Not hers, but <laughs> no. Matt Groening's. Uh, yeah, I don't. I was aware of him as like a nerdy kid, and I'm trying to remember when did the figures come out? Were they a couple years later? In '99, I think uh, I think the McFarlane ones might be around the corner. I think. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to remember when, like, this cartoon version of Mac Raining like became aware. Like, I have it in my brain, and I don't know. I think it's a couple years later, probably. Well, this ver- version of him, like, this isn't the. I think they truly formalized what Mac Raining looks like in the season 15 episode "Big Fat Geek Wedding" when he appears on screen and he's like, "That's right, I'm Mac Raining. Pull, up, tuck up my beard. I'll give it." To rip out some of my hair, and then uh, Melis calls him Mister Groaning, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I think that's what he's looked like ever since. Like so, this version of him is a little different from that when they when they draw Matt into the show, right? 
the co- whatever the tapped Simpsons tapped out graining was like the eventual. It's like early Homer and later Homer. You know, they had to evolve <laughs> the design. Uh, or I think that's the graining. The season fifteen one is the graining that appears as that very fun boss fight in the uh, the Simpsons game as well. Oh right, yes, yes. It is. Uh, that's where you get to meet Zoidberg. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think the thing with graining signature is, I mean, it's a contractual thing that he always puts his name on it, but. I th- I think it is that you know Mac Groening as a comic artist by the late '80s he knew all about what happened you know like Siegel and Schuster and Jack Kirby and Steve Gerber in the '70s like these these creative folks who got screwed over and get forgotten to time alongside their creations so I can see how he'd want to create a rule that like my name is next to these when they appear to avoid that. I just looked up at a picture with Matt Groening. He was wearing a very nice uh, dress shirt. Yeah, he was. Well, I wanted to see him wearing the crew jacket, at least. He wasn't wearing what we used to call the Lassiter. <laughs> yeah, so we don't call that. No, that no. <laughs> I do think it's funny, uh, though, that it's about erasing his signature and him drawing it back on because, you know, there there are artists who on covers or on posters, you don't get to know who did them because Matt Groening's signature is the only one there. It's, it's something that's really cool to talk about. Uh, theme parks it's something that's really cool at the universal hollywood uh springfield because you go to that the crusty secret room and there's all those caricatures of simpsons characters drawn by the artists and they sign their names so you know who did them yes i i honestly i didn't even i didn't put that together that's cool that's an extra element i love that room obviously um <laughs> yeah <laughs> when Matt Groening finds that room he's gonna sign every one of those things <laughs> gotta keep him out he must not know that must be what the situation is <laughs> I've I have heard through the grapevine that some artists who saw that in there were like they cried because they're like that's my name my name next to the next to the drawing and it's wow it's really cool too just to see like David Silverman you know who is great at drawing the Simpson style but him him drawing a crusty how he wants to draw it is so like extreme and weird. I I love it. It looks like a character from Ratfink the way he draws crusty. <laughs> oh yeah. The Simpsons will be right back. Hope you guys are enjoying this podcast as much as a new comic of Mary Worth. And a big thank you to our guest this week, Mike Carlson from Podcast The Ride. You guys really got to check out Podcast The Ride. He does some great stuff there with his co-hosts. And we thank him for being on this week. If you enjoy this podcast, Talking Simpsons, though, you should be supporting us on patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you subscribe there for five bucks a month, you get to hear this podcast a week early and without ads like this one. And the same goes for Talking Simpsons' sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where me and Bob do the same Talking Simpsons treatment to a different animated series each week. Not only that, but if you sign up now, you get access to our currently unraveling weekly exclusive podcast, Talking Mission Hill, where me and Bob go over each episode of the cult series from the Simpsons legends, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. And if you sign up, you'll also get to hear the whole back catalog of exclusives as well, where we do the same for the critic, many episodes of Futurama and many episodes of King of the Hill. You can hear all of that and tons more for five bucks a month at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons.
But if you want some content as delicious as a deadly eclair, then you need to up your pledge to the $10 level for our premium What a Cartoon movie podcast. Me and Bob cover a different animated feature film in the Talking Simpsons style once a month. And for 10 bucks a month, you get to hear the full over four hour long podcast all with the other $5 stuff we do at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you'll get to hear recent ones like our one, upcoming one for space jam oh boy that's gonna be a lot of fun and toy story 2 and our whole back catalog of awesome stuff including iron giant spider-man into the spider-verse aladdin and tons and tons and tons more you got to check it out all of them 10 bucks a month for the what a cartoon movie patreon.com slash talking simpsons I would, I do wonder, like, if they'll, I mean, I think The Simpsons will never go away. I'm sure you've talked about this. I think probably there'll be some version of The Simpsons for as long as we're alive. Mm-hmm. It was like, like, even if, like, it might just be the same writers forever. It might be a 95-year-old LG. Very possible. <laughs> <laughs> but I have often wondered, like, well, is there ever a situation where, like, The Simpsons gets canceled for two years and then it comes back and looks different? Like I kind like I kind of want to see like different art styles with the Simpsons. If we're gonna do it forever, like why not? <laughs> I mean, things like the Flintstones lasted uh, well into our childhoods, but at this point, they're basically vitamins and cereal because yeah. there are only 161 episodes, and they stopped in the 60s. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I just had some Flintstone vitamins this morning. Oh, uh, nice. Uh, I, I. Well, you know, I think Sims, uh, Flintstones and Simpsons is an interesting thing because. The Flintstones, it did end, but there was like a prime Flintstones universe of like that Pebbles and Bam Bam yeah, keep aging. Teenagers. They, they get married. They have kids. Like, so there was the classic Flintstones universe. And then at, in about the mid 90s, I think, well, okay, there were the Flintstone kids as well, barf. But mm-hmm. uh, but but then I think by the late 90s, that was when they're like, let's, let's reboot. Let's go back to the classic and maybe change up the animation style style too yeah i mean i think it's interesting there's uh, i I guess actually it's probably come out by the time this has come out but there's a new looney tunes coming out that looks a little more like classic looney tunes on Mm -hmm. hbo max but then like the new mickey mouse cartoons are a really weird modern style and they're great yeah yeah i i mean i could see in 2060 there's just they they give it to some new artist who does crazy things with the simpsons i think we should all look forward to 2060 for a variety of reasons but this being (laughs) the top reason uh and uh so the episode begins at the school and uh we get to hear about the the class field trip I hope you all enjoy your ride to and tour of the Springfield Shopper newspaper. Groundskeeper Willie and I will stay behind to remove all traces of asbestos and the word evolution from our school. Next up, Margaritaville! Oh, they're still here. Yes. Now, I'd like to ask each child to pair up with a buddy so no one gets lost. Come to think of it, I haven't seen Uter since the last field trip. (laughs) Uter? I don't remember any Uter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Silly name, Uter. Dad, it's great that you volunteered to drive, but how did you get out of work? Don't worry, sweetie. Daddy's got it covered. I work hard for the money. So hard for the money. Always something, something money. Come on, give me lots of money. Now there's an employee, Smithies. A smile on his lips and a song in his hut. Promote him. 
It bursting into flames is the only way that scene could end. You kind of you've, yeah. you've gone that far. You got to have everything burn. <laughs> That's when they needed to actually build in a reason for Homer to have left the plant. Now, I mean, even then they were kind of like, do we need to work in one scene <laughs> where it says why Homer isn't there? But uh, this explains how Homer is able to have a new job the entire episode, I guess, because the the his he's still collecting a paycheck from his uh, body uh, uh, replacement. I think in about twelve episodes. In Alone Again, Natural Diddly, that is when Homer has the joke of like, I think it's clear I don't. That's right. <laughs> and I have you have, is this, someone calculated how many jobs he's had? I'm sure they have. Right? Oh, at this point. Uh, there's got to be a, like a like a wiki list or something. Mm. I don't know at this point in the series, maybe like fifty. It <laughs> it's, seems it's thirty fun. to fifty. You know, it's funny you talk about the jobs things. They, I think, if you're talking just in season ten production scope, which this is this is twenty one in production, and I think five earlier is Homer gets the job as a trucker. So they, he's, this is only five episodes yeah. after his last new job. <laughs> I yeah, do. Ex- it's accelerating. <laughs> I do love the Uter stuff because they're exploring mm-hmm. the plot thread from uh, the PTA disbands when right. the Uter is right. killed by the war reenactors <laughs> on their oh, escape yeah. from uh, Colonial Springfield or whatever that was. <laughs> um, but yes, I think Uter did appear uh, with, uh, I'm not sure if he had spoken lines between this one, that one and this one, but it's a nice pull and I love the scene coming up soon. We just want closure. Yes. yeah. Uter <laughs> <Or>, <laughs> is seemingly dead now or presumed dead. I, I I looked it up, so his. I forgot that this connects to the PTA disbands, but Uter's last uh, spoken line actually was at the Baimon Sci Fi Con. Yes. He walks by wearing a Futurama t shirt and waves at Lisa. So that that was the last on screen sighting of Uter before this. But uh, I could see they're like, what? We're st- we still have Uter? He was a one off joke. Like, let's, let's just kill him. <laughs> Is Uter, does he not show up ever after this? Oh, he does. They, they he does, right? Even on the commentary, they're like, we, we made this as a runner for a little while, and then we just stopped caring. <laughs> I love Uter. I think, uh, I mean, they obviously they ate him in Uter huh. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they hated Uter. Why did they hate him so much? Yeah, I mean, it just felt like the joke was up. Like, yeah. yeah. We did every joke. When he died in that yeah. episode, uh, as a kid, I assumed it was just like Mole Man, where it's like, he'll, he'll die a bunch. It's fine. <laughs> He's a weird character who dies. In the PTA disbands, I love like they're all around him with using their phony bayonets as clubs, and they have lifted them as high as they can, and they're about to bring it down and just hard cut there, just so you don't actually see them smash Uter. And uh, talking about going to Margaritaville, uh, Mike, you've been to the real Margaritaville, have you not? What what a story. Um, Well, I have been to, I mean, are you referring to the one at Universal City Walk? Yes, yeah. Yes. Well, I hope I, 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 it's not a video that's available online. I have a version of it on my computer. I covered the opening of it for an internet channel. Oh, wow. Uh, so Jim and Jimmy played there, but I was not granted an interview with him, which is what I wanted, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I played, I was, I was walking around with a guitar and the Margaritaville PR people were very, uh, nervous. <laughs> they thought I, they thought I was up to shenanigans, uh, which I kind of was, I was just playing. I had written a song called, uh, hiding out in a Pelican's beak. <laughs> and I wanted to gauge interest among the parrot heads to see if they thought Jimmy Buffett would record my song. And they all, by the way, they all thought it was great. And they all thought that I absolutely should show this to Jimmy, but <laughs> did not happen. It did, uh-huh. Not yet, at least. He has his own outpost in Orlando as well, or did at one time, didn't he? Oh, he, yeah. Well, we, oh, oh, oh. 
Well, I think what you're referring to there is there's for, there is a Margaritaville in the City Walk in Orlando, but there's a thing called Margarita Village. Right. Which, yeah, that's what I'm that's, thinking of. That's what you were talking about. It's a whole like kind of uh, hotel and. I don't know, some sort of community, you would call it, with houses you can actually buy. And about three or four years ago, I was on an email list, and they asked us parrot heads if we could help name streets for this new, um, this new subdivision, whatever you would call it. And uh, before the po- we had a podcast, Jason Scott and Anthony Gio and I, we submitted 100 different street names to them. <laughs> and... We were looking at somebody, I forget exactly who pointed it out, but there was a video online and we found out that one of the names we submitted, which is Dreamsicle Drive, <laughs> was chosen. Uh. And when we went to do a live show in Orlando in October, we went and visited our street. That's beautiful. Uh, uh. It was great. Uh, the whole place was empty. It all seems like a big, weird scam. <laughs> uh, Jason Sheridan was just creeped out the whole time. He thought we were going to get arrested or something because it was like an amp. It felt like a. It felt like we were in some sort of movie where, uh, and I don't want to say a virus has taken everyone out because that's too <laughs> real life, but like, say there was something where all of a sudden like a bunch of people disappeared from a suburb. Mm-hmm. We just like walking around going, I don't think anyone lives here. Uh, I I have walked around a spooky, empty Florida suburb of just nobody lives there, but it's it's empty. It's just my hometown now. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm waiting all... for the first Margarita Village murder. <laughs> like, the, like the first murder in that Disney run town. Is it Paradise, Florida oh, or whatever? Right. Or Celebration, uh, Celebration. Florida? Yeah. yeah. There, it's not going to be hard to figure out who did it because only, there's only about five residents <laughs> it's like a game uh, of clue <laughs> yeah we but we went we were exploring the hotel which didn't seem like there were that many people and there was a woman in the gift shop that overheard me say something about jimmy buffett's plane the hemisphere dancer and she ran over to me and just was so fascinated why we were actually there <laughs> and then told us we needed to do our comedy show at their comedy club which is called bonkers <laughs> <laughs> oh that's perfect that is... so if if Margarita Village still exists in a year or so, maybe we will go do a show at Bonkers. The return to Bonkers. You, I yeah. think you'd be one of their top acts you'd have there. I look. I I would hope so. It would just be an honor to play there. I <laughs> I have been. I have kind of down low heard that Jimmy pulled his like financial investment in the place, and they're just using his name, and he actually doesn't own it anymore because there oh. were some problems. Mm. So uh, I, I would prefer, I guess, is what I'm saying, to play a place that Jimmy actually owns. But <laughs> I will take bonkers if that's what we're get what our option is. So they they head off. Fake Homer is also very similar to the one that uh, looks like from the B Sharps episode. Mm. I gotta say, except he doesn't have balloon arms; he has twig arms. Is it oatmeal box head? Uh, oh, so this one's a bucket. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's I. I guess they're different. There's I. I guess Marge I built that one. Homer yeah. had to build this one. Marge did a better job. She's uh, she. I mean, Marge is an artist. So <laughs> they then are uh, driving on their way there, and we get this like surprising sequence. I forgot this was the Homer bleeping section here, but uh, I have a couple clips of that. Oh, you! You cut me off! Oh yeah, you! Dad, that's an ambulance. Oh. Right. Ambulance! Think you're so big with your siren and your letters on backwards. <laughs> so that uh, you know, as a as a nerd of the show, 
That one kind of bugs me because it's the first time characters have been bleeped outside of the context of appearing on television. Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah, Kent Brockman was the one. And uh, Dredrick Tatum, right? Dredrick Tatum, two. yeah. And also, uh, when Sideshow Mel is saying, like, you think you're so, like, uh, well, he's whacked out on Wowie, Wowie sauce. sauce. Yeah. He, he's bleeped there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, they're always bleeped in the context of being on television. Like, there's there's never bleeps in the real world of The Simpsons. So that kind of breaks a rule. But I mean, it's not it's not not funny. But I, the rules, the 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 canon of the show, it, it breaks it. I find it odd. I I I found this odd. I found it off putting for whatever reason. I haven't seen the watch this episode in years, but I was like, this is weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I like this precedent here. That Homer is like road raging and just like saying swears all over the place at an ambulance included. <laughs> I mean, I like the ambulance joke. I just, I, for whatever reason, I was like, hmm, I don't know about this. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, Millhouse gets knocked unconscious in a, a classic Millhouse injury scene. That's why he's not wearing a seatbelt, so he can just fall <laughs> to the ground easier. I love that. Just flop. Just uh, the, quite a roomy car back then. I miss, I miss being a kid and you could just lay down on the back seat. That was good times. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and then uh, they, arrive at the zoo and that's also a real time killer like it just uh that homer forgot what the plot of the episode was the zoo animals do come back for the finale so so are we to believe that homer said doe so loudly that uh, animals decided to escape the zoo is that the a, a very small polar bear got into the back of a very large moose <laughs> Oh, yeah, it is it. yeah, I guess it's a child uh, t- polar A child bear, bear or a, child a cub, bear. as oh, scientists would call yes, it. Yeah, that's the right way to put it. There's some sort of child bear on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> when Homer arrives in the next scene, I'm surprised he's holding a zoo balloon and not a zoo pennant, because this was mm. pennant time on the show. We were in the pennant era. Yeah. This- oh, yeah. <laughs> Did they think that maybe they did too much pennant humor? They're like, you're pitching me penance again? Get, uh, it can be, a, it's a balloon. <laughs> Come right. back with a balloon, kid. <laughs> penance and sashes, I think I, well, I think are funny things because of The Simpsons. It's, uh, it's just a funny thing to see that someone would make a pen- I mean, penance are so old. When in our youths, they, if they told, sell them to you at a baseball game, it's like, look, it's an old-timey pennant. Like, and that mm-hmm. was 30 years ago. I think we need more uh, sandwich board humor. Mm. <laughs> It's time to bring that back. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And uh, and but they have to be ringing a bell as they're they're wearing that sandwich board. Though we finally arrive at the Springfield Chopper, the first time Springfield Chopper been in the show a million times. I'm glad they didn't make up like the Springfield Gazette or whatever, and they just they go to a previously a heavily established. Uh, newspaper for the for the thing. I, I believe that's where the the three eyed fish story is reported on. I think so. Well. Yeah, it was even in the first season, the, the Springfield Chopper. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yes. Yeah, so how did this uh, this newspaper get built? Welcome to the Springfield Chopper, established in 1883. The newspaper was founded by Johnny Newspaper Seed, a 14 year old boy who roamed America founding newspapers. If he's so smart, how come he's dead? Over the years, the shopper merged with the Springfield Times, Post, Globe, Herald, Jewish News, and Hot Sex Weekly to become Springfield's number one newspaper. Wow, a bustling metropolitan newsroom funneling scoops from all over the globe. Hi, are you interested in a subscription to the shopper? Low introductory rates. No, please, you gotta help old Gil. What's it gonna take to keep you on the phone? You dance for you but you wouldn't even see it you, all right I, i'm dancing yeah, yeah, da, 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 da. and this is our comic strip department 
Who here reads Mary Worth? Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, my local newspaper from my hometown uh, just basically shut down last year, and Aww. it started in 1869. Damn. But the the story is uh, for all like little newspapers and big ones too. They're all just being gobbled up by like right wing syndicates to become propaganda <laughs> platforms. That's it. Yeah. Because only old people read newspapers, so they're getting their last audience while they're about to die. Yeah, and then they'll move on <laughs> to somebody else. Uh, yeah, well, and also, like, I've, I've heard a, a tragedy of all these newspapers closing is uh, much less local reporting. So if you're not in a major metropolitan area, stories just get missed, like major events just get missed because who's going to cover it? There's no local journalist to cover it. Yeah, uh, it's depressing. This is all dep- really depressing. <laughs> uh, we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could tell yeah. you uh, what else is dead. The uh, the then artist behind Mary Worth, because that was the son of the original guy. Mm. He died in 2003. He died like 20 years ago. Wow. Because wow. the comic started in 1938. <laughs> that guy took over in the mid-70s. He did it until he died. Wow. And it's still running in the paper that's i couldn't when i looked that up i was like is mary worth still going like it's still a daily strip it hasn't even like graduated to being a, a sunday strip graduated or demoted well demoted yes <laughs> that's the manager would say graduated is mary worth king features yes yeah i because, okay. i know that because when i was reading strips off the official site I got to see a crown as it was loading. So I was like, oh, I guess it's King Feature Syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot about King Feature Syndicate because it was based the uh, Toon Lagoon in Islands of Adventure in Orlando. Uh, it, there's a Toon Lagoon and it has all the different strips like Mary Worth. And well, we're <laughs> obsessed with it. And we uh, love we love King Features <laughs> Syndicate. Uh, not, not to have a too long a divergence here, but I... I loved your Islands of Adventure, uh, sorry, the preview spot for Islands of Adventure that you guys talked about uh, recently. That was a really was, good one. Thank you. Yes, we talked, Jason, Jason's favorite place on Earth, Dark my co-host Jason, his favorite place on Earth is Islands of Adventure. So we did uh, an episode just about the preview center where you would go and see what was coming to this new theme park. Um, and I think we did a little King Features in that one. I had that passport. I had, I, but I prized it as a kid, but did not hold on to it like Jason did. I, Jason has hit, I've never seen something in better condition that's 20 years <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, though also, not to brag, but I, I, I got to go on like a preview weekend to Islands of Adventure in like uh, April 1999. Wow, the, really? For real, yes. I, I never, I've never ridden Dudley Do-Right or Popeye because those weren't open on the preview week and i've never gone back so unfortunately well you gotta go back (laughs) i well the last time i was there and i could have ridden popeye i was like i don't want to be the wettest i've ever been today like that's (laughs) yeah that's a good point and you could have paid five dollars for one of those drying stations yeah did those work are those good they work yes (laughs) <laughs> and when I mean like they turn on, okay. are they good? Uh, it depends. I think you're still going to have like your socks soaked. <laughs> uh, but like your shirt may be dry and your hair may be dry. Okay. Uh, but uh, but yes, the, they also, in this joke here, they were way ahead of the curve on the consolidation of newspapers too. Like they, they've, they've smashed together far more now than, than then. I, I also caught uh, looking closely at the hot ladies on the, uh, hot sex weekly that they just reused two shots from the ion springfield thing, oh okay uh, for the bikini babes good pull and <laughs> <laughs> i love the just the flatness of the response to homer's just like cruel like if he's so smart how come he's dead and his 
silence. <laughs> I, yeah, Homer, Homer is mean. He's he's pretty mean in this episode, and uh, and actively avoids a comeuppance. But uh, they were making fun of Mary Worth as an ancient thing twenty one years ago, and uh, still she, persists. It's outlived so many of us. I <laughs> I did look up another of the artists who worked on Mary Worth, uh, Joe G- uh, Gialli Giala. But just he's interesting because he was uh, still with us, knock on wood, at 91. What? Uh, and, wow. And before he worked on Mary Worth starting in like the 60s, and before that he was an inker in uh, sometimes penciler, but more inker for Marvel and DC in like the golden and silver age. Like he inked on like Gene Colan and Gil Kane comics. And, wow, this guy's a legend. And then went to Mary Word. It looks like he gave up in 2016 as an 85-year-old man, Henry. Uh, apparently, it's done by June Brigman and Roy Brigman, the, uh, the illustrators. The Brigman brother. Or, wait, the Brigman couple? Uh, the Brigman couple. Yeah. <laughs> Brigman brother sounds funnier. Uh, Let's have alliteration. And did you catch that they drew in the Mary Worth phone in the background? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's yeah. great. I, Her stern face. <laughs> I got to think that's an animator who's like, we can't miss the Mary Worth phone. Like, I, I don't think the script said include Mary Worth. Phone. I, I love, I love all the Mary Worth jokes. I just remember the one, the rare Mary Worth, where she advises a friend to commit suicide. <laughs> yes, uh, that's a good suicide's nothing to laugh about. But uh, that's, that's the idea funny. of a Mary Worth column about yes. that is funny. Oh, and then we get a dear Abby. Ann Landers joke. Yes. Uh, who uh, are not real people. There's... No, no. I, I have some uh, info on them. So, okay. Ann Landers, that's the 1943 advice column. The final Ann Landers, Esther Lerderer, did the column from 1955 to 2002. That, that column no longer exists. Mm. Dear Abby still exists and is written by the daughter of the original Abby, though neither one of them is named Abby. Now, here's the messed up thing. The second Ann Landers was the twin sister of the first Dear Abby, and she started her own column, Dear Abby, shortly afterwards to undercut her sister's famous column, offering it at a reduced rate if they would only take her column. Wow. Wow, it's like Gallagher and Gallagher 2. Exactly. So Dear Abby is the uh, underdog, the dark underdog that took out... And Landers eventually. But also, so, uh, so not only undercutting Ann Landers, but outlasting her too. That's, and they're twins. Uh, they are twin sisters. That's yeah. the craziest thing to me that they are twin, and that they like hated each other for sixty years. Wow. So they were sisters. They were because that's what, all I knew was they were sisters. I didn't actually know it was like a kayfabe thing where they were not real. They kept the names going. Yeah. So one sister, Esther, she took over the Ann Landers column. Mm-hmm. And the other sister wow. was like, I can do that. I'll be, uh, let's say, Dear Abby. So <laughs> she started hers a year later and was like, hey, listen, newspaper, if you don't take Ann Landers, I'll give you Dear Abby for cheaper. So she yeah. undercut her sister throughout a bunch of newspapers. And that's why her column spread faster. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. And And I'll tell you what. That's crazy. As a little, as a weird little kid, I would read the newspaper, all the columns. I would mm-hmm. read things like Dave Barry, but I would also read Ann Landers <laughs> and Heloise for well, household Heloise. tips. Wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I've, I remember we've talked about Heloise before because Marge brought her up, but I, I, I think. I believe my local paper was a Dear Abby paper, and uh, yes, I mean, on some days, I wouldn't say every day, but on some days when I would run out of comic strips to read and be like, I still want to have information in my brain, I would turn to the the Dear Abby section and see what what was going on that week. I don't think I ever read Dear Abby, but (laughs) I... 
It's just because I didn't have easy access to it. Uh, I think one of them's. A, I think they're Chicago originals too. I think like the uh, Tribune in Chicago was like one of theirs first uh, uh, newspapers too. Hmm. All right. Well, my dad actually works for the Chicago Tribune, and that is not a joke. So there, oh. I have no excuse. Oh wow, man! He could have introduced you to to Ann Landers. He's he might be good friends with her, and I don't know. <laughs> I went to her this... funeral, son. Was he? Did he meet Gene Siskel, or was he friends with Gene Siskel? I need to know this. Um, that's a good question. I don't think when when did Gene? My dad started in. He worked at a lo- more local paper until, like, the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. So Gene Siskel, uh, like, he died right before this episode aired in, like, August oh, of 99. Right. But he was the Tribune guy, and Roger Ebert was a Sun-Times guy, both in Chicago. Right. yes. Um, I remember Gene Siskel died on a, like a when I was a sophomore in high school, which is, like, 2000, maybe? Hmm. Now the, yeah. uh... Well, and the dear speaking of death, like yeah, dear Abby, she outlived uh, she outlived Ann Landers by like uh, eleven years, I think it was one well, one sister to two thousand two, the other twenty thirteen. So wow, and which one is still which column is going still? Uh, dear Abby is written by the daughter of the original Dear Abby, who is the ripoff artist. Yeah, <laughs> right. But there's no Ann Landers column. Apparently, Ann Landers is yeah. done. Yeah, I for, mean, for the most so, for most of history, there was only the second Ann Landers who wrote it until she was an old lady who died. <laughs> huh. So the IP of Ann Landers is available. It's uh, perhaps it might mm, be out there. It could be an okay. Ann Landers TNG. <laughs> All right. I, uh, well, I just want to keep that in mind for myself. I feel like the last time I heard about Dear Abby was when. There was some controversy over her, like giving an answer about like hating gay marriage or saying that a uh, uh, some name sounded too foreign or whatever. One of them, I'm sorry, I don't know which one it was. One of them garnered controversy because of the uh, JFK uh, was in office, and they're like, "What do you think of?" Or no, he was running for president, and they one of them was asked, "You know, what do you think about this?" He's like, "I'm not so sure about that. We all know that Pollocks hate women because Whoa. he believed in the Pope, Jeez. right?" Whoa, wow. So uh, man. by the Wait, Polak, not not a good word, yeah. but uh, I heard it a lot growing up because there's lots of Polish people in my hometown. Yes. Yeah, your your stepdad as well, so you yes. can say it. I'm allowed to say it. <laughs> <You can> say <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, also uh, on the Ann Landers thing, or after the Ann Landers thing, is when Homer pulls up the uh, newspaper from the day he was born. I this also is where well, I like pause. Like they drew a penis on baby Homer. It's oh, very really? distracting. I I, th- I thought that was a critic joke for a while. I was like, I remember seeing a. Joke joke like this about on the critic oh yeah actually there's like two other jokes in this that i remember being similar on the critic yeah no on the critic yeah the mom says we saved the paper from the day you were born yeah like, like yeah. is it unusually fat baby born or something <laughs> yes yeah okay <laughs> Uh, look, I'm not saying Alcine ripped himself off, but nobody saw that critic episode, so why not bring it back? <laughs> I yeah, I bet that is the rationale. We're just like, yeah, you know, not as many people saw it, so. Well, this is also back. Like, who would ever think that it would be released on a thing called a DVD and that people could watch it whenever they wanted, or to? that Comedy Central would rerun it in a few years yeah. over and over and over. Yeah, also that. Uh, and uh, then we uh, head to the printing room where we find out that the. Uh, Zero percent goes into the recycling of them, which I I really love that uh, that that feels like a very like 
corporate back padding of just like a certain percentage goes in and when you find out like it's a it's a very small percentage also that that joke with the treehouse almost going into the grinder it feels weirdly paced it feels like there was like a extra editing on it or something i don't know it it moves it moves too fast or that we spoke we were supposed to like hear a sound after they cut away oh i bet you yeah but they weren't allowed to Hmm. I wonder if it's like there was a time crunch and they were like, just uh, just speed that up. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, we need to lose 10 seconds. Uh, and then finally the plot really gets going as Homer uh, is introduced to the idea of being a food critic. I So here's the thing when they show that Homer is like a guy who loves food and can smell cake. Like, I know Homer loves food, but I always saw him as like a garbage dump of food like you just throw food at him and he'll eat whatever it is he's not someone who has strong feelings about what he eats whether or not it's good or whatever but uh but i like the bart's at least proud of him and that he can hear pudding that's that's good (laughs) all right now it's time to uh to play this talking simpsons anti-death jingle uh which i use this time with the strongest of wards uh for our guest for this episode I ain't dead yet. Uh, yes, Ad Asner as uh, sorry, I call him Ad Asner. Ed Asner as uh, editor. <laughs> editor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that uh, this is an Al Jean thing. I've noticed that he and Mike Reese would often just not name characters. Where uh, an Oakley or Weinstein or even a Merck would be like, let's give him a funny name. Mm-hmm. They'd like start with a funny name and go from there. But I think it's just like just for sh- sheer efficiency. Like well, who cares what his name is? Let's just keep going. <laughs> his job's an editor. Plus, you hear the Ed Asner voice, so you're just thinking Lou Grant anyway. Yeah. So. You just let it fly right through. <laughs> yeah, is do you think the idea with was like it is just Lou Grant? Well, uh, you know he's he's drawn to have hair, and Lou Grant famously does not have hair. So uh, you know, but and that, also Mary Tyler Moore owns that character, so maybe that's why. Well, that's what I'm saying. They put some hair on it, so the very litigious Mary Tyler Moore would ensue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ed Asner. I mean, this also we are recording this like two months ahead of time, so. We already have worries anytime we talk about somebody in their 90s on the show as being alive, yes. but extra. Like, I <laughs> I love Ed Asner. I would never, I want him to live to be 109. It's not a curse if a podcast talks about his guy in his 90s and he dies. Yes. It's yeah. just yes. Uh, the hand uh, of fate. I, I, I hate to uh, interject real quick. I saw Ed Asner at the Annie Awards because my girlfriend, Lindsay Katai, works on Infinity Train. And I got to go to the Annie Awards, which is the animation Oscars, essentially. And her category was presented by Ed Asner and the guy who does Krang's voice from the original Ninja Turtle cartoon. Wow, <laughs> Krang, man! No, I was thrilled. Yeah, I. Wow, that's amazing to get. You know, we did. We just did a Goof Troop episode where that guy's on it and he's playing like a con artist. Oh, that was one of the two con artists. Yeah, and he sounds like Southern Krang. Like he's <laughs> like, oh boy. Like it's it's very distracting. Southern Krang. <laughs> Honestly, you just came up with a great turtle character. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, Southern Krang. Ed Asner. He you know he has a long history with executive producer of The Simpsons, James L. Brooks. Like Brooks was one of the showrunners on the Mary Tyler Moore Show, which made Ed Asner famous as the uh, the spunk hating uh, boss at the TV news station. But also when his show got spin off. Uh, when he got his show spun off from the Mary Tyler Moore show, Brooks was also a creator and showrunner on that sh- series as well, which right. ran for like five years. Yeah. Wow. 
which uh, I've never seen one minute of Lou Grant because it never it, it Mary well, Tyler Moore reruns were unavoidable, but I never saw reruns of Lou Grant. I forgot about that show. That was never like a TV Land or Nick at Night deal. I think it is not a TV Land type show because it's an hour long drama. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, it also was you know kind of politically charged and and very of its time. It is not timeless television like the Mary Tyler Moore Show. It's much more timely. And also uh, Ed Asner being a cool lefty dude, he alleged that they canceled Lou Grant not because of bad ratings, but because he was a vocal vocally against America's intervention interventions in Central America in the early eighties. Hmm. And it was it was getting to be uh, a bad thing for the news, uh for for the network. Wow, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, the Ed Asner, he's a a strong left wing guy. I think also a slight nine eleven truther, but you know, hey, who who isn't? <laughs> hey, you know, I uh, look John Cusack is a big Bernie guy. Does he think 5G created the coronavirus? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Look, nobody's nobody's perfect. <laughs> no, boy, who knows? And he, look, what do we Maybe it did. Who knows? <laughs> and uh, Ed Asner is Jewish, so he's not one of those Jewish conspiracy 9-11 guys. No, so no, no, maybe no. it's a healthy conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I think it's healthy. <laughs> But his voice, the greatest voice, like I love his voice, like he's he's the up man to an entire generation. Yeah, and he was Mr. doing up. He started doing a lot of voice acting in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's another funny thing about this that this begins a Simpsons tradition of having people who have played J. Jonah Jameson do a voice of a newspaper editor on the Simpsons. Oh yeah, as uh, though they'll get much more overt about it in you know in a few years after this episode they simply hire jk simmons and draw the character to look like j jonah jameson and he talks like him. because al Jean's a big spider-man fan huge Spider-Man yeah i thought fan. so yeah i think in his first appearance he is just j jonah jameson and he asks for pictures of spider-man in later appearances also voiced by jk simmons they call him jj gruff so <laughs> totally different from j jonah jameson right the very litigious marvel wouldn't come after them then but now they're all under the same umbrella, so... Gosh, you're right. So they really, I did, this is crazy, because J. Jonah Jameson could just show up on The Simpsons legally. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, I'm in canon. <laughs> I am the 616 J. Jonah why, Jameson. Why even write a parody anymore <laughs> if you're on The Simpsons? So, like, Bart could just show up in a post-credit Marvel movie sequence. Yeah, I mean, it'd, it'd probably take a lot of red tape at the Disney Corporation, but yeah, it's possible. Mm. It's possible. I think, I don't know, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, Ed Asner, really great here. He's basically just Lou Grant. I'm, I appreciate that they hold back him saying anything like I hate spunk or whatever. Like that's, that would be too bad. That would, that would be too lame. Uh, but, uh, he's, he's pretty funny in this first scene here as Homer crashes the party. So Mimi, this little shindig is our way of saying farewell to our favorite food critic. What can I say except thanks for the predictable champagne, pizza that's hardly numero uno, and ice cream cake, which reminds us, why make 31 flavors when you can't get vanilla right? I wouldn't want to be married to her. I mean, again. <laughs> Who are you, and why are you ruining my retirement party? I'll have you know I wandered off from the tour. That's a good, that's a good selfish Homer excuse. 
If you see the way he's eating that cake, he just yeah. like taking scoops out of it with his hand. Like they cut to they cut to a reverse shot of the cake. You can just see the scoops have been taken out of it. Oh, I missed that. Uh, but also, she said it's an ice cream cake, so Homer's hand should be freezing mm. eating it that way. How can he tear through an ice cream cake with his bare hands? I mean, he's Homer. He's a food. He's in food. He full food monster mode here. But also, I like the background that is is uh, that Lou Grant used to be married to her. I like. It. I'm just going to call the editor Lou Grant. That's that's e- it's easier. I think all of the other editors have names, which is very conspicuous that yeah. he does not have one. <laughs> He's for sure Lou Grant. <laughs> does uh, did Disney buy uh, MG? What is Mary Tyler Moore's book? Oh, MTM, <laughs> whatever the cat one. MTM. Do they own Mary <laughs> Tyler Moore now, so they could? Go back and retroactively put his name as Lou Granton. Mm, you know. know, I feel like uh, this. We should probably just Google this, but this. My guess is it's Sony. I think Sony bought the MTM library. That's right. probably right. That's, I would like they should just start rebooting things like the Mary Tyler Moore Show, <laughs> and just to uh, have some young woman, like twenty three year old, just playing like I'm Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Let's oh. roll it. Let's roll in the slop even more than we are now. <laughs> Mike was right to guess. Uh, all of MTM shows are now owned by the Walt Disney Company. Oh my God! Through, yes. it, through its subsidiary, 20th Century Fox Television. Oh, so, oh wow. So yes, wow. just have Lou Grant on The Simpsons. Jesus so, Christ. Whew. So Lou Grant can show up in a post-credits Marvel sequence. Yeah, uh, or at least you know on the reboot of Mary Tyler Moore, they they can wheel in. Uh, Ed Asner and be like, I remember a girl too once. You're just yeah. like her. <laughs> There's, uh, there were like three, like three years ago, the whole cast of Mary Tyler Moore was still alive, I think, except for Ted Knight. But yeah. now they're, they're, uh, what do we got? We got Gavin McCloud still alive. We have, no, Ed I think Asner. Gavin's gone. I think Gavin McCloud's gone too. No, no, he's alive. Is he really the candy candy guy? I'm, I would I would put a lot of money. Sorry, Bob, you're McLeod. having to just Google these things. We say out loud. Uh, all I have to do is type in the name, and the verb is is. So okay, yeah. damn, I was he sure is. Loris Leachman still alive? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. John Amos still alive with a very funny no line cameo in Uncut Gems. That was the greatest. That was so good. <laughs> but yeah, so Homer's tearing apart that cake. He insists he's there for the tour, and then uh, we get uh, a little bit of an I feel pretty parody which i i think on my first viewing i was so happy it got interrupted because i was like i don't want a song no song please Uh, it's very like this is one of the worst parts of this episode for me because it stands out as being just very awkward it's because they couldn't get the rights to use the song for the parody Uh. but they decided to do it anyway so just a a very off version where they're not hitting the right notes so i i don't know what it is and like i have to be told what it is It's true. It's true. I, well, here, let's listen along and hear, hear how they had to change it. Well, at least you like the food. Oh, I like food all right. I like pizza. I like bagels. I like hot dogs with mustard and beans. I get the picture. I'll eat eggplant. I could even eat a baby deer. La, 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 la. Who's that baby deer on the lawn? Enough already. Sorry. Hey, listen. I just had a thought. We're looking for a new food critic. Someone who doesn't immediately poo-poo everything he eats. No, it usually takes a few hours. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I'd like to give you a tryout. Write a 500-word sample review. If it passes muster, we'll put you on staff. Thanks for the chance. You won't never regret this, Mr. Editing Guy. I feel like this editor should be fired because the <laughs> the second Homer has that reply to poo-poo everything, I 
I feel like he should be like, oh, no, you're, you're not a writer. I'm not hiring you. I think that's uh, one of the reasons Homer gets all these new jobs, because somebody finds this outsider who's not so jaded by the business. Like, that's him. That's the guy we need. But it ends up being a horrible mistake. That's always the way he gets into these situations, like how he yeah. became an astronaut. Call me crazy, but I think you're just the right guy for this. Homer is like a Forrest Gump type, really. Yeah, yeah. The, in the actually, right place at the right time. Al Jean writes a um, a clip show that's basically that exact idea. The the what is it? Is it a newer episode? Yeah, it's like it's season fourteen one. The, what, which one are you talking the about? The Forrest Gump clip show. Oh, one. Gump Roast. Gump Roast. Thank you, Bob. How could you forget such a memorable uh, title? <laughs> Gump Roast. I don't uh, know if I've ever seen that. It's it's the last clip show, and mm. it's uh, kind of dreadful because it was a two thousand two clip show. Yeah, it's weird. I do. It does have an in canon appearance by. King and Kodos, though, though as a clip show, I feel like it shouldn't count as canon. But uh, right, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the it, this guy should not hire Homer. The, the next time he replies to him with like, "You won't never regret this." Like, no, you don't hire this guy. This is not a professional writer. <laughs> I totally forgot that there was going to be a West Side Story remake uh, in December by Steven Spielberg. All right, mm-hmm. if wow. there are movies. Uh, I, I'll, I'll video on demand that Starring Ansel Elgort <laughs> oh, that, guy. that sounds like a Mr. Show character <laughs> uh, That's that's uh, Spielberg's new muse He was the star of the Ready Player One film as well Yes, oh yes, that's right I, I've seen Ready Player One I went to the, what do they call it? The It's not the Haven, what's the name of the place? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the, like the, well, I know they gunt But I forget the name of the, the place that it's set uh, in <laughs> It was on the tip of my tongue, oh well <laughs> Uh, the no Simpsons in that because it was a Warner production, unfortunately. But uh, oh right, I so I think the point they're making here is an interesting one about how he wants Homer because he's not jaded and super negative. And I think the the, the arc Homer goes through of being a guy who loves everything to then a guy who loves nothing, it does it in part feel like a response by the Simpsons to late nineties reviewers who were saying the show was on a downward slope, you know? And I, yeah, I was thinking this, of course, in comparison, like Ratatouille, it's funny Mm. when I think it's funny when any show or movie is like, you know what? We're going to do an episode about critics and how they're mean. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, but okay. Yeah. That's (laughs) just that, that, that movie ends on a sour note for me, that, that uh, Ratatouille movie. Um, Just like at, at that point, Pixar was just untouchable. Everyone loved them. Why are you taking down critics, man? It seems so misguided. It was probably like some one reviewer got to Brad Bird like (laughs) 10 years prior. And he's like, I'm going to show that guy. You know, I I think in general, it's just it's hard to take criticism. I get it. But that's a uh, stupid thing to say, Henry. Uh, (laughs) Hey, Uh, one, uh, when you're the Simpsons writers, you know, it's hard to take criticism, too. And I I mean, I just read at the time of this recording a new interview with Al Jean and I could feel his tiredness at being asked a question like, so, you know, the show's not as good now as it used to be. He's like, yeah, yeah, all right. I guess. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure every day he's gone outside for the past 20 years, somebody just goes up to him and says, still, <laughs> and walks away. So I get why he's, he's tired. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, why why ask somebody that question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean I, uh, if I'm interviewing Al Jean, I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> we do get asked similar questions. I'm like, why did you say that? Yes. That was yeah. kind of mean. <laughs> uh, so, you yeah, know what? I'm, we I'm just have people them. go like, oh, why are you... Why are you virtue signaling so much on your podcast? Mm. 
I think we finally virtue signaled enough that we've chased away the people who will tell us that we've, they, they're yeah. tired of it. The but. common complaints I see are, uh, too political with the uh, politi- political having no meaning whatsoever. And also they're mad that we ask for money. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not that they're paying it, but that we ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. We have, I feel like I, there'll be a, and it's really a few, it's few and far between, but it'll be like too political. And I'm like, Oh, okay. We mentioned the name of a politician and then made a joke. Okay, got it. <laughs> As if we did yeah. like a two-hour episode breaking down the uh, the presidential politics and what's <laughs> happening in the world. But but of course, if you are listening to this, you're one of the good ones, and you're a great listener, and we love you, and we we know you're you only say nice things. Yes, and only write nice. <laughs> Only write nice reviews on the podcast uh, review uh, part of Apple Podcasts, yeah. or else you will do a podcast about reviewers, <laughs> and you will make a point about negativity in reviews. Uh, so Homer starts writing his first review. He's uh, got an old-timey typewriter in front of him, one without the letter E, uh, which that's apparently that is the most used letter in the English language. That's what they say on the commentary. That's I, why Lenny had to say why Byrne shouldn't kill him without using the letter E. Okay. It's similar joke. Similar smart guy uh, thing there. He's I a see. good work guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and Homer just typing away. I this this is again where the episode should end because at least they address like Homer can't complete sentences at this point. He could not write anything, and so uh, Homer gets to hear the results of uh, of his first editing. <laughs> uh, well, what do you think? This is a joke, right? I mean, this is the stupidest thing I've ever read. What's wrong with it? Well, you keep using words like paschetti and mamados. You make numerous threatening references to the UN. (laughs) And at the end, you repeat the words screw Flanders over and over again. Oh, it's so hard to get to 500 words. Oh, look, Homer, I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. It's a joke. Ha, ha, ha. Everyone laugh at the funny joke. Ha, ha. I'll be right back with the real review. Still not clean. Think the failure's still on me. Dad, I'm sorry the editor didn't like your review. I'll help you write a new review if you just let me use the bathroom. Still not clean. Still not clean. <laughs> so I felt that pain the first time I was edited by somebody. It, it really hurts to uh, be told everything you wrote is bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, like all the stuff about writing in this episode stuck with me as someone who would be a professional writer for almost 20 years after that mm. uh, and be in college for like eight years and meeting word counts and thinking, why can't I just write screw Flanders? <laughs> I'm, I'm at like uh, 1,198 words. Come on, that's almost 1,200. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I'm trying to think, like, there were, if, I've had sometimes where somebody gives, like, a note on a, notes on scripts, and it is, it just can, like, ruin, like, a month of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you want to lay in a tub and turn on the, the shower at the same time, mm-hmm. just to get it off of you. Yeah, no, I, uh, uh, I, it hurt so much being edited early in my time that I, like, uh, I had a dream that one of my first professional editors 
was like hunting me like an assassin in <laughs> in the dream because I was so uh, upset by by the edits I was getting. It is nice once you work enough though you can learn when some editors are bad and like give bad advice. Yes, yeah, yeah. Who maybe have like I don't know ten pages of draconian rules about a review that says like, well, don't say play, don't use the word game. Like, Every yeah. sentence must have an opinion. That's how language works. Yeah, damn it. They- <laughs> Most of life is just sort of like just desensitizing your brain to versions of disappointment and trauma (laughs) pretty much yeah it's just like getting to you to the point where you're so like your brain is so you've been rejected so much in so many different ways that the next time it happens you go all right and (laughs) you can't move on with your life you can't hurt me anymore that is the life lesson I would give to a young person. Uh, well, yeah, I, uh, I was curious, you know, uh, Mike, this is this is pulled from the experience of, you know, writing collaboratively in the entertainment field. Like, uh, did this did this speak to you, this stuff with uh, with Homer and Lisa? Um, as far as credit, you know, a little bit of like there's always times when I think if you collaborate on something where it's like somebody compliments. So if you're in a duo or something and somebody compliments an element of a script for both of you and you want to be like i wrote that thing this compliment (laughs) shouldn't be for them it's just for me (laughs) so you know we all feel a little bit like lisa sometimes but i think i think probably not just in writing everyone always feels like they're not getting the credit they deserve Mm. um so yeah there's i mean lisa's obviously really not getting the credit she deserves here but Mm. But she gets kind of that that plot line for her just kind of gets lost in the episode after the murder plot is set up. We forget about Lisa's, uh, you know, uh, she doesn't get what she deserves. Yeah, and yeah. then she gets part of Homer's revenge at the end. <laughs> yeah, um, I forgot. I forgot what how this episode ends, and I was like, oh, this. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Okay, this episode, right, right. And I was like, I wonder how they'll resolve Lisa and Homer, and it'll be like a nice moment. And then I was like, oh no, no, it's just a third act of hijinks. Got it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, Homer, uh, Homer and Lisa riding together. One, it it changes things up in the Simpsons household because I believe to this point they had rejected the family owning a personal computer. And this is when they finally decided it's 1999. A family at the Simpsons income level has a PC and Lisa needs to be typing on a word processor. I think Bill Gates broke their first computer when uh, Homer started hyper compu global mega nets. Oh yeah. And Bill Gates and his goons showed up to trash the place. (laughs) Yeah. The internet income on computers now that's, that's right. So, okay. But the idea of Lisa, Lisa seemingly, owns her own computer like that's in her room which uh, yeah that's interesting i remember at the time i didn't have my own computer until i had like a laptop in college but i do remember that like there would be a kid who had their own computer and i was like holy shit you must be a millionaire (laughs) all Uh, that porn privacy as a teenager you don't have to share the pornography with the family computer and try to hide it as best you can (laughs) i don't know if you have the clip henry but i love uh, i've always loved the phrase groin grabbingly good oh yeah to the point where that's in our patreon uh, description oh that is good i forgot it came from this episode yeah yes i do have the clip this is uh some collaborative writing okay what restaurant did we review Well, we went to Pate La Belle last week. How about that? Great. Now, let me think. The food was... Not undelicious. The food is delicious. (gasps) That's brilliant. And I have this sweet, sweet chocolate mousse. Really, the only word for it is... Hmm, what's the English equivalent for... I'd say... Transcendent. 
How about groin grabbingly transcendent? Uh, I don't think so. We make a good team. A groin grabbingly good team. 497, 498 words. Hmm. How about screw Flanders? Bon appetit. <laughs> uh, both good. <laughs> both good like that that's how it is in a writer's uh cooperation too of going like how about this no uh well okay both good like <laughs> so sometimes a co-writer can just shut things down you're like all right <laughs> i i think it's also like an insidery writer joke about how using a it's about being needlessly overusing words of like not unattractive when you could just say attractive or whatever, not unblank. Yeah, I feel like I have a bad habit in the last couple of years of saying it's not dissimilar to instead <laughs> of saying it's similar. I don't know if it's like just something I were like, you sound much more intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that was uh, why I would ever say those things. Like, it's not unlike the because uh, if you just say like it's like that, like you you don't sound as smart. I think as people being online as Henry and I am, uh, I think we're like automatically defending ourselves from comments that would come in to try to prove us <laughs> wrong about something. So you have to like make it as nuanced as possible. Mm, yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. Because if you're saying, "Oh, that's the same as blank," someone will be like, "Well, actually, uh, there are several differences," and uh, then they would tell you them in a yeah. tweet. <laughs> That's true. So you, you have to right. use nuance it's a protection. Language. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's why we pause like twice in this to check Google yes. for information. Homer still trying to shove him screw Flanders. He won't do it. It then cuts to Homer getting approved. He sells his first review. He's got a, a job as a, I mean, oh my God, Homer's probably making like a hundred thousand a year being a food critic for a, man, a newspaper. A, f- a food cricket. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I also feel like Homer should just be instantly fired for that stop the presses line. That's a great <laughs> joke. It takes four hours. Whatever, I'll be a Moe's. Like I love, I love. He just throws that out in the shock on Lou Grant's face. It's like, well, no, go back. Uh, so we come back, and Homer is now enjoying being a food cricket, uh, as Bob put it. And in this next scene, uh, the sea captain, Captain McAllister, he's back to his old job. He hasn't hmm. done this job since his first appearance. That's true. He has a like variety of uh, ocean-related jobs. Yeah, but yeah. this is where he began. Actually, I think he began on that that infomercial or the uh, hmm. the sea shanty uh, tapes. I think Frying Dutchman came first. Okay. I think that's because hmm. they created him to replace Don Rickles. You could be right. Yeah, yeah I think you're right about that. Uh, have oh, by the way, Mike, have you eaten at the the Frying Dutchman at the Springfield in Orlando? Uh, I have not, because uh, they have that one is not in Hollywood. Is that right? Yeah, Hollywood doesn't have that. Yes, I have not eaten there. I've eaten. I, I you know we didn't eat at all at the Springfield in Orlando. I've only eaten a couple meals out at the one here, mm. uh, the Cletus's Chicken Shack and the regular Krusty Burger. So, well, I would assume you go straight for the Doc Brown's chicken renamed as Cletus then, I would th- as a traditionalist. I know some people have a lot of fondness for that chicken. And then I've also heard some people say it was it is the same recipe that they, they had, like when Doc Brown's closed, which, of course, if you don't know, Doc Brown, outside of the Back to the Future ride, had his own chicken restaurant in Hollywood, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's weird <laughs> but, because Doc Brown lived next to a Burger King. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Yes, that's true. It's right, and it, the Burger King is. Over, I literally could. It's a five minute drive from here, right here, in my apartment. Wow! It's. Yeah. I didn't. Re, I honestly, I didn't realize until I was watching just the clip of Back to the Future, like uh, literally two months ago, and I went, "Holy shit!" It's <laughs> literally. It's the Burger King I go to all the time. But is that house not there, or uh, was that just a set? Or the house is not. It's like kind of like I think it's sort of strategically shot. I'm trying to remember where the house is in relation to the Burger King. It's not. It's right by the t- closed down Toys R Us, <laughs> uh, which is turning into. Well, there's a Hobby Lobby there, and it's turning into some. I forget what it is. Something bought it, which I've been wanting the Toys R Us to come back, but that's mm. not going to happen anytime soon. So there's not really a ton of houses right there, but there's some like kind of shack type things on the other side. Like it's a very industrial area um, that has like a go kart track right around there. There's batting cages, <laughs> um, but I think they kind of. Strategically make it look like the house is there, hmm. and uh, yeah. So uh, I guess Krusty Burger then is your go-to at the at Springfield. I mean, the Big Pink Donut's the best food there, but yes, uh, Big Pink Donut for sure. Uh, it's very similar to the Grinch Donut they have now as well, which oh, I've also I haven't had this had. Grinch Donut. If I'm going to Universal, chances are though I'm eating at CityWalk before. Or uh, after, so I, I I ate at Springfield right when it opened a couple times, but I have not had it in a while. Um, so yeah, I'm probably eating in Margaritaville. <laughs> I'm probably eating at there's a new Mexican restaurant there that I can't think of the name of. Uh, and also there's one other place, you know, it, it maybe a Johnny Rockets. Mm-hmm. You know, on your podcast suggestion on my re- last trip to. Anaheim at Disneyland. I ate at that Johnny Rockets. Uh, no, sorry, I ate at Ralph Brennan's, and that was really good. You guys were yes, right. We, shocked how good we were. Shocked how good it was. <laughs> uh, but but anyway, let's let's hear them talk about food on the Simpsons. In this next clip. Sure. This is so exciting, homie. Your first restaurant review. March. It's important that no one knows that I'm a food critic. Hear that, Maud? Homer's a critic. Homer's a critic. Pass it on. Did you hear? Homer's a critic. Quit changing the subject. There is Uta. Oh, we just want closure. (laughs) Here you are, one critic special. Uh, If anything appears to be moving, that's just freshness. Can you believe it, Marge? This job is the greatest. They're paying me to eat. Yeah, now if you could just get somebody to pay you for scratching your butt, we'll be on Easy Street. You little... (laughs) That's that strangling's no different than many other ones, but for some reason it felt excessive to me in this setting. I agree with that. I felt the same way. I was like, "Oh, come on, Homer." <laughs> it was like, was it because he was mean in the episode, and is it because I also the bleep swearing? I was just like, "Man, Homer is too much. I can't deal with this." <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I and also I think Homer should give Captain McAllister a bad review. That was moving food. Like that's it's it looked disgusting. <laughs> Yes, yes, he's right. Yeah, Homer would be right to do it. Yeah, but uh, but Homer, so I think those other reviewers are right. Homer is giving two nice reviews. When uh, Often when I pause the DVD to uh, take a note, there'll be a deleted scene that will automatically play because I pressed it during the right ah. time. And the cut tag on that scene is, while Homer is strangling Bart, he says, my butt itches and can somebody scratch it? Oh, to Homer and Lisa, to uh, Marge and Lisa. That's good. Yeah. You know, that's why it feels so excessive because... It just ends the scene. E- ending with that butt scratching joke at least adds something more to it. That's, I I kind of wish they kept that in. Oh, I was gonna. They should have uh, just like sped up that other weirdly timed scene and left this joke in. Uh, otherwise, it just feels excessive of Homer simply strangling Bart, and that's the only joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, now, we've seen it before. It's yeah. not a good way to go out on a scene. <laughs> uh, so this is an interesting bit here. I didn't know until uh, this episode. I do believe this is the last line Maggie Roswell says as Maud until she comes back after oh. the after the unpleasantness. Yes, mm. which is coming up the season. Which is really extra confusing because we're recording this out of order, but in the Ritalin episode, Brothers Little Helper, right before this, Maud is clearly not voiced by Maggie Roswell and has been replaced. Hmm. But this is the 21st episode in production. Yet last week's episode was 22nd in production. So the timeline still works that Maggie Roswell would record this one and then quit over a pay dispute in, as it said, spring 1999. It's when she did it. Okay. So that, that I, all lines up. This is Maggie Roswell's final appearance as Maud until she returns for posthumous Maud lines in, uh, in season 14, I believe it is. And uh, we'll get more into her pay dispute, I think, in the... Maud death episode, but let's just mark that here. Final time Maggie Roswell is Maud. Wow. And uh, yes, Uter's po- parents are very funny design as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, they're Lederhosen. They all wear Lederhosen. They just fly in from Germany wearing Lederhosen. <laughs> <laughs> How else would you know who they were, of yeah. course? <laughs> if they were just dressed in normal clothes, it'd be boring. Right. Uh, so then Lisa, uh, we see the clever headline. It must have been written by Lisa. Cod is great. Scrod is good. That's that's funny. That's clever <laughs> stuff. And uh, Lisa gets to welcome to the humiliating world of professional writing by having her name taken off of something she worked hard to write, which I think that's how most writers on The Simpsons feel when they write a good joke in the rewrite room and no one ever knows who wrote it. As someone who was very smug about my writing ability, it made me mad that as I was continuing down my path of being a writer, uh, that funny headlines were no longer good because they were not searchable. Uh, So you can't make a clever headline. It's got to be the first thing that will pop up in a search on Google. If you you think of a funny headline about like PlayStation 5 revealed, the person who writes PlayStation 5 revealed or PlayStation 5 release date, that's who's going to click on it. Or I mean, they'll just click on it because it's number one in Google searches. Hmm, that's sad i didn't even think about that oh yeah it's uh online writing is the worst i mean it's it's all been ruined by uh, well i'd say venture capital investments uh investors who strip bear every uh part of a website they're number one that's ruined websites second would be google seo results that would be secondly what ruined ruined web writing okay so that's who I should direct my ire to. Yeah. Mm, venture capitalists first, I yes, would say. Yes, always. Yeah, right. For everything. Uh, well, that's true. I mean, look, they're already getting a lot of it. <laughs> uh, my ire, that is. Uh, I mean, me and Bob, yeah, we're, we, we haven't said this up front, but I, I think long-time listeners know. We come from online media. Like, me and Bob have written more reviews than we can count, like like Homer did here. And so we've uh, th- this episode speaks to us in specific review writing ways as well. And uh, the pain of being rewritten or having your name <laughs> not on something. Uh, I mean, I I had, speaking of SEO, I think if you search best Spider-Man games on Google, my article is the first one you're going to see. <laughs> but you wouldn't know it's me because now it's Games Radar staff because uh, fuck me for quitting that company. Technically not inaccurate. Yeah. I've <laughs> not, technically not inaccurate. Uh, it's a good time. No, I'm depressed. I'm getting depressed again. I'm sorry. Hey, let's talk about something fun like Planet Hollywood. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I've got some shocking news about this scene. Oh, yeah? 
uh, because there is a cane in Citizen Kane. I was going to say, okay, okay. Where, where do you spot that cane? The cane is in the when he's singing the song about Charlie Kane. That's right. The guy okay. with like the straw boat hat and everything. It's there like clearly a, a very well-defined cane in the frame for a long time. Yeah, I I had mistakenly thought also that Joseph Cotton's old man character had it, but I, I watched it uh, this uh, today. And yeah, it's, not... it's like, it's so obvious. I was thinking like, does old man Kane have a cane? Does Joseph Cotton's character? It's like, no, it's the guy doing the song, pointing the cane at everybody for <laughs> like three minutes which which smithers reenacted like eight years earlier on the simpsons with a cane in his hand yeah so and i don't know i've never seen heartbeeps but uh, uh oh man have, okay mike have you seen heartbeeps that's the andy kaufman movie right yes and burned it up no I, I have not so i've only seen like 10 minutes of it because it would be on comedy central and i thought like andy kaufman's great i watch it and it is unwatchable it's like a robot talking in this baby voice for the entire movie yeah pretty much so two robots escape and they want to start a family and there's also a joke bot who is a henny youngman style borscht belt comedian but as a robot who is an immobile puppet so he's always just sitting down with like a a, a jaw moving back and forth and a constantly smoking cigar doing like a uh, borscht belt comedy and it's just it is so confusing it is just i it, i mean it's also andy coffin's final film so it has That's why that he faked his own death <laughs> he's like i can't i can't be alive for these reviews I, I mean, you've just described something that I have to see. Oh no! I mean, this is up there with Fuzz Bucket. I think it's. Uh, oh man! <laughs> oh, have you have you guys watched Fuzz Bucket? Uh, I think your podcast was enough for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. There's no reason to. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, have you? Uh, I think I've been at a Hollywood, a Planet Hollywood once. I've I've been to like two Hard Rock cafes, and they're much more me- uh, ingrained in my memory. The experience of going there instead of going to Planet Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, I went to a planet, the planet Hollywood, I think in Rockford, Illinois. I think it was around there. Mm. And I remember just being so excited to <laughs> eat with the movies. I think they're getting the revenge, though, because at some point, Planet Hollywood wanted The Simpsons to do a Planet Hollywood episode right. with the three guys being guests on the show, but they would not give them free promotion. Yeah, yeah. They, they had been promised, like, oh, we'll get you Arnold and Stallone and uh... Schwarzenegger. No, Ar- yeah, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold. Sylvester Stallone, and Tom Arnold. No, not <laughs> Chuck Norris. Uh, upcoming guest on the Bruce show, Bruce Willis. Arnold. Yes, Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis. Yes, uh, but I, Calvert I, DeForest. <laughs> now, now, Hard Rock. I had eaten at the Hard Rock Universal like twice, mm. and I we we did the YMCA. We did it all. It was, I, it I went to the Hard Rock too. Universal like in '99. The only prop I can remember is like the Terminator jacket. Mm, That's all man. I can remember. Yeah, I Hard Rock is. I am shocked Hard Rock is still so around. I think it's the international popularity of it, you know? I think I it's, believe uh, that is right. <laughs> and I, well, I mean, and I, your, your co-host, Scott Gardner, he is a, a Hard Rock super fan, I know. Yes, I mean, and we, yes, there, there's a lot of Hard Rock lore. Uh, we've talked about it on our show. They just, they just closed down the Hard Rock at City Walk in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, uh, you know, disassembling uh, like the Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder, excuse me, uh, Eddie Van Halen inspired guitar out front. Oh, the that's giant two story guitar. Uh, and they're putting in a universal Dr. Toothsome's Chocolate Emporium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think the closest I've been to a planet Hollywood is like walking through the planet Hollywood casino in on a Vegas trip. 
I I ate at the Gordon Ramsay burger place that's next to the Planet Hollywood. Right. There's I think I probably have only eaten at Planet Hollywood once. There is still a Planet Hollywood at the City Walk in Orlando. It's now called like the City it's got called like Planet Hollywood Observatory. Huh. Interesting. It's, there's like a couple around. We have yet to do we're go, uh, we will eventually get to this episode, a Planet Hollywood episode, um because it involves one of our favorite like rich guys, Robert Earl. Good old Robert <laughs> Earl. <laughs> um, who is if you he he made the restaurant the Earl of Sandwich, uh, and he has many different uh, restaurant ventures, <laughs> and he has his own like Scott became obsessed with a YouTube uh, show. It might not have been it might be an actual TV show, but it's a show where he just like goes around and looks at the kitchens from the places <laughs> he works, and he talks like that, and it's uh, and he's. He puts his hand on people's back too much. <laughs> Ew. Uh, as of to, as of like uh, 2019, there are seven remaining Planet Hollywoods. Ooh, that's man. it. Boy, I uh, I hope in 2021 there's a chance to go to one of them. I hope they're not all gone. Uh, once I, I, the Orlando up. one, I think, was still supposedly doing okay, but I don't know after the closures. Well, I mean, in any, is any casino going to reopen? In the, I, uh, you know, the, let's just let's go back. Let's stick with 1999. I don't want to yeah, talk too the much. Yeah, good about years. Yeah, uh, but here's the clip. Wow, my first published article. <sighs> Although someone else's name is on it. <laughs> Welcome to the humiliating world of professional writing. But this is only the beginning. Welcome to Planet Springfield, the restaurant owned by me, Chuck Norris, Johnny Carson's third wife, and the Russian Mafia. Each Planet Springfield is filled with priceless Hollywood googars. <gasps> there's the coffee mug from Heartbeeps. And there's the cane from Citizen Kane. Wait a minute. There was no cane in Citizen Kane. And there's that awful script from the cable guy. Let me see. Stupid script! Nearly wrecked Jim Carrey's career! You next oh. I'm gonna get What? That had to be Al Jean taking a swipe at his former boss. Yeah. Johnny Carson. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I looked yeah. that up. Uh so Johnny Carson was married four times, and he divorced that third wife. 1985 when Al Jean was oh. on the staff. So. Oh, interesting. That's why he was hell to work for them because yeah. he was he had just gone through a divorce and he was absolutely miserable. Uh, that's uh as Mike Reese had that funny story about like they saw in the newspaper it was what like fifty thousand dollars or whatever needed to be paid to his ex-wife, and they're like, Oh, that's one of your that's one of the writer's salaries, and that writer got fired the next day. <laughs> Why why were they so mad at Cable Guy? Oh, I think what happened was is like I remember that being a a fine movie. I don't know if it holds up today because the idea of like TV is ruining our brains. Just turn off the TV, man. Mm. I think that's just kind of like a dated uh, parable, but it was one of the first scripts that was like this guy is getting 20 million dollars yeah. to be in the movie and that was a big deal like it set a precedent that people would start making that much money per movie and if the movie wasn't a success they would blame the actor for stealing all of that money and yeah. not earning it yeah it's interesting it uh, it was the idea of like 20 million for this like whatever the movie was well and also it was it is very much a Jim Carrey movie where he's being crazy and doing all his Jim Carrey things in it. Yeah. But it's not as positive or as silly. It's meaner. I want to see the original version with Chris Farley that they were supposed to make. That would have been better. I think he's a better fit for that character. 
For, for somebody that cruel and awful, yeah, I think so. I, as a kid, I loved The Cable Guy. I haven't watched it in a few years, but I still feel like it's okay. I may like it, but that better than some of his classics. I think, though, too, we, we talked about this with the, the Mel Gibson episode we did about what what's it's okay to make fun of as a bad movie if you work in Hollywood. Yeah. And I think Cable Guy is one of those approved targets. Like, you can right. say it was bad. Though it's extra funny because he's saying it's a bad script, and one of the producers on that movie was Judd Apatow. And so <laughs> now you don't want to take a swing at that. Yeah. And the director's right. Ben Stiller, so it's like you're pissing off a couple big, big names in Hollywood. Yeah, it just seems so aggressive for 1999, but I guess it was just it was like it was just like a common reference for like oh the movie that did bad. It's it's funnier too that they make it about like Homer. Homer's mad that it hurt Jim Carrey's career, not that it was a bad movie or that he felt he wasted money, just that it's like it damaged the wonderful Jim right. Carrey. I guess in terms of notability, it was all downhill from there. Uh, I mean, outside of uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I mean, he just played dr robotnik which is yes. uh you know fun but not like a prestige uh, role <laughs> he's got like a prestige show on showtime that i've never seen yeah oh that's yep. right yeah. and uh he plays like a mr roger style character yeah is that it yeah okay yeah. uh you know he'd well after <laughs> after this he like in 98 he did liar liar and that was that was like that his was a big comeback. hit oh yeah. that's right yeah you're totally right about yeah. that i guess that was his like family friendly return to form and then the year after that he's like i want an oscar and he still he ain't got it he, i don't think no. he's even been nominated was he not i don't think he was even nominated for man on the Moon. not for the dark thriller the number 23 <laughs> number 23 uh that uh also in the shots i i caught it this time the scan over the things like you've got an it's pat poster an earnest joke which in 99 is like let, let that man die like yeah please give it leave him alone he's on his way out uh and uh, but then basketballs i caught it like there's there's what looked to be giant baseballs held okay. up on something and that's when it hit me like those are supposed to be basketballs from the 1998 film yeah, of basketball we, which everybody shit on. we just missed the summer of basketball yeah <laughs> wow i didn't even catch that it uh, this was the first time i caught it uh, that those it's meant to be an attack again basketball you can make fun of, but you know, Matt and Trey, they're still the, the golden boys in Hollywood in 99. You don't want to be too mean. Right. Not yeah. Cable guy's safer than going after Matt and Trey. <laughs> uh, and then we go to a revolving restaurant, which you've eaten in one of those, Bob. Yes. I think uh, my, my fiance and I were watching uh, Bob's Burgers. And uh, I was like, you know, there's a revolving restaurant joke in so many cartoons. Why don't we go to one? And there is one in Vancouver. We went to one. It's very, it's very nice. The food's kind of like eh, middle of the road, but uh, the view is very nice. But they rotate extremely slowly, where you can barely notice the rotating because otherwise you'd get sick. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we got up there and we ate, we immediately Googled who died in one of these, and a child was crushed. That's about it. Oh God. Oh God. Yes. Jesus. So don't play between the walls, kids. Uh. But uh, yeah, it was very pretty. Uh, a bit overpriced but it was worth the experience but it just is it's a vehicle for humor like yeah, i've yeah. only seen them used for like jokes <laughs> uh, the speed at which it happens is and i think in the next episode there's another one uh, there's a in the treehouse of horror the same revolving restaurant spins so fast it flies off oh, into yeah. space was this like introduced in principal charming that's where uh, oh, yeah. skinner took patty that's yeah. right well speaking of patty and selma you know we get to see them exercising in their underpants which you know i think they shouldn't be shamed of those bodies they should be proud those no. are some big seats they got there. they got big booties but we wouldn't really appreciate those <laughs> yes. in 99 
<laughs> oh, the one fun thing about was, the revolving restaurant yeah. was that every time you got up to use the bathroom, it'd be in a different place because everything's <laughs> moving around. It's like, where is that bathroom? Oh, so it's kind fun. of a fun adventure to use the bathroom. <laughs> it's a uh, revolving... I- it's funny because The Simpsons lays so much groundwork for, I assume, any of us who watched it as kids. So, because I like love a revolving anything. And I always wonder, like, is it because of The Simpsons? Like, is it because of The Simpsons I have an affection for Mary Worth and King Features? <laughs> like, is it is that where all this stuff starts? They've just, like, indoctrinated it in my brain when I was in third grade or around that age it programmed us all yeah yes i think it did i mean to some degree i think it for sure did i think nothing in fiction takes place in a revolving restaurant unless there's a joke about the revolving restaurant Mm. it's not just like a normal (laughs) setting for a meal on like ali mcbeal or whatever was airing at the time it's it's why people only go there for the hijinks they hope they hope hijinks will ensue right yes for sure then we get a very weird scene where everyone's fat for like uh, 20 seconds. I like all the new designs. They had to design a bunch of new char- new versions of characters. I love Fat Burns. Yeah, Fat Burns, that he's never felt so jolly. His robust uh, physique. The sound of him walking on his broken shins is, is especially disgusting. I I like Fat Ned and Ma. That's, I think, my favorite design of the, of the fat uh, characters. Yeah, that one, uh, this is such a weird gag because it's just for... 10 seconds or whatever yeah you assume every uh, i mean you do see fat burns at the end of the episode but otherwise everyone goes back to there like you see ned in like five minutes after this scene of him and he's back to his normal way you think this is the way the plot is going to go like everyone's getting fat what happens next (laughs) but just like no it's just a joke for a scene uh, this is another one where I go, hmm, I don't know. I don't think this breaks the reality for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, these, well, that joke, the use of the word poo-poo and the bleeps, I again say Mac Raining was very busy with Futurama and some things got through the Mac Raining would have canceled, I think. Oh, interesting. So you so you think, yeah, graining more of a stickler for certain uh, rules. Homer, I mean, especially the use of the word poo-poo, I feel like, Matt. There was a fart, a lot, like an on audible fart yeah a few episodes ago so yeah i think i i always say i think mac raining would have killed that but he's very busy in launching the first season of futurama when this production's happening interesting uh and now speaking of going back to the 90s in this next clip we get to hear about two shows that uh (laughs) were funny just words to say in the 90s and now both have their own Unique tragedies attached to them, and oh, so it's kind God. of a bummer. Yeah, uh, but the, why don't we hear it? <laughs> Some of your fellow critics wanted to meet you. This is Garth Trelawney, TV critic. Why you? You made them cancel Platypus Man. Oh. Homer, this is our theater critic, Daphne Beaumont. And the Cosby Mysteries, that show had limitless possibilities. Homer, please. Sorry. Jamie Kilday, farm supply critic. Just got back from the Gopher Poison show in Paris. Let me tell you something, people. The days of clubbing them with a baseball bat are over. For you, perhaps. Listen, we've been meaning to have a talk with you about your reviews. Everything's a rave. Nine thumbs up? What the hell is that? I've given out my share of bad reviews. Oh, the only bad review you gave was to a slice of pizza you found under the couch. It lost some points because it had a hot wheel on it. Oh, good Lord, man. You're a critic. You don't have to like everything. E.g., my latest review. We see John Deere has come out with this year's line of rototillers. Surprise, surprise, they're green. I say it's time to send John Deere a Dear John. <laughs> oh, that's classic. You don't have to patronize me. 
Okay. <laughs> That's a great album. Is that? Okay. <laughs> Platypus Man is the uh, Richard Jenny sitcom, the late Richard Jenny. Uh, oh, yeah. Someone was holding on to that joke for a long time because it went off the air in 95. Yes. Yeah. yeah I. Uh, and what's extra tragic is I would, this DVD came out in 09. I would think the commentaries were recorded after the 08 uh, suicide of oh, Richard yeah. Jenny. Oh, like yeah. So. Gene is like, that's of the late Richard Jenny. And yes. just kind of ashamed of that joke. Yeah. It's, um, it's sad. It's uh, I well platypus man though I did watch it on at least one episode because I was so ready for UPN to come out like my local station they were getting UPN and they were airing the UPN ads all the time and so <laughs> I watched the first episode of that of the Richard Greco show whatever that was called that was one season like John Diamond or something I'm reading like the uh, this lineup so uh, platypus man was paired with uh, Pigsty and oh. Star Trek Voyager okay, on Monday watch, night on UPN. I did not watch Pigsty. Pigsty was the lead into Voyager. Uh, I, I must have tuned out for that one. <laughs> wow. Were you talking? Was Richard Greco Nowhere Man? I think that's it. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I loved Nowhere Man. <laughs> uh, uh, the Platypus Man was just like it was Richard Jenny, who was of the same generation as Tim Allen. It's kind of just him doing a, a home improvement show, except he's a single guy who is like a man's man. Uh, who a Platypus Man is the uh, the concept of it is that he's a television uh, food uh, a television chef, but he's a a man chef you know mm. not not some wuss who cooks food and uh yeah i mean it's it, it's not good it's not great i mean no one would ever watch it now it's i think a lost to time show and those uh cosby mysteries yeah that's a setup for some awful jokes some people could make but we yes make those. we won't go there no. but uh no. he'll die in prison it's very cool yeah it's pretty great yeah but uh but it, it aired from one season from 94 to 95 and then after that, they just put him back on a regular sitcom, which is what people wanted from Cos- Bill Cosby then. I do like what uh, Friends of the Show, gayest episode ever, they call the Cosby Show the Felicia Rashad Show. So you can oh. still talk about that show. You don't have to say his name. Okay. So. I'm going to steal that. Let's erase him from history. And uh, the farm su- supply guy being so femmy, that's kind of funny. I, yeah. I like that. He's that he's so well, uh, from Paris. This digs into like the two sides of being a critic in that uh, this is a criticism I had of some of my peers when I was in the games industry is like, you guys are too nice. But also, I also enjoyed being mean a little too much hmm, because yeah. writing jobs do tend to wear you down. So there are two sides of this conversation they're having here. No, hmm. I, yeah, I felt the same way. I think... The this has the perception that all critics are agreeing with each other that like you have to hate things or else you look stupid. But I do think for us in the games press, it was you are pushed far more to be positive. Like you you will get better reception from your readers if you're overly positive, and it's easier to work with other companies if you're overly positive. And and I'm not saying people give good reviews for access or whatever, but I'm just saying it's just the spirit of like, ah, be positive. It's fun. They're games. They get good fun. reviews to go on to work for those companies. Also that, yes, <laughs> they all get hired in PR yeah. to work for those companies. <laughs> sure. We're suckers that, for, yeah. that is what everything is especially headed to with criticism as far as online, every movies and everything where it's like, like you can follow the trail of like, oh yeah, this person gets to go to all these events because they're nice. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and, like, uh, we want to go to all the theme park open. We want to we want Disney to invite us, but we're never going to go to Disney. We're, they're not going to have us. Uh, we're a rev. We are a reverence and we'll say something isn't perfect. 
friend of the show, Jack Allison, he I've seen him point out that um, more than one television reviewer who really liked Lost got jobs with people who worked on Lost Mm. as television writers. So Uh, I I, yes, I've seen some of that uh, (laughs) discourse online as well. It's something people say. That's, uh, you know, (laughs) everywhere you go, you're hearing it more and more. Okay, so then we go to uh, a a King Lear where Krusty is just bad at his job and his... He has a reference to Petticoat Junction, which in, you know, in 1999, that was a, that show had been off the air for 30 years at that point. So. That was the <laughs> one of the like trio of uh, rural shows that I never watched that was unavailable it, because it was Petticoat Junction, Green Anchors and Beverly Hillbillies, all part of that universe. Yeah. That, uh, cinematic universe of Hillbillies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I never watched it either. It was I loved Green Acres. Me too. And I really liked uh Beverly Hillbillies, but and I probably would have watched Petticoat Junction, but who I don't know why it wasn't licensed the, the same. It was uh, was it not on Nick at Night? I didn't watch it either, but I watched Green Acres as a kid. But I'm trying to remember. I feel like Petticoat Junction was on Nick at Night. Am I wrong? If they if they got it, it must it must have been after I was a regular Nick at Night viewer, but uh, hmm. And uh, the the three sisters on that, of course, are Betty Joe, Billy Joe, and Bobby Joe. That's the, the that's who Krusty is referring to. Hmm. Right. <laughs> they were on. Uh, they were. I'm looking. They were on TV Land, I guess. Oh, okay. okay. So when they started TV Land, it was there, but not on the regular Nick at Night stuff. Yeah, perhaps that is it. Although I don't know. There's another thing here that says they might have been on Nick at Night in 1996. Oh, you know, this is reminding me, I meant to say this bit of trivia for the cable guy. A fun thing to rewatch it now is just to see how most of the cast of Mr. Show is in it because it's a Brillstein Gray production. That's right. Uh, yes. I, th- I think like uh, David Cross is in that basketball game with Jack Black. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think David Cross is, I forget where David Cross is. Bob is, is Bob Odenkirk is his brother in the movie. And uh, is, uh, Matthew Broderick's brother. And I believe Kyle Gass is in it as well, uh, not yes. just Jack Black. He's just kind of watching TV, I think. I don't know if he has a line. And I do believe Janine Garofalo was dating Bob Odenkirk at that time, mm. and she's she's very funny in it as the medieval times waitress. She's the wench, the serving wench. That's right. Apparently, I know the movie pretty well. Uh, uh, we, we, <laughs> I think I've only seen it twice, and it's all uh, Ferris <laughs> Bell for me. Uh, but yes, Homer uh, is ignoring King Lear to review the soup. <laughs> Lighten up, it's a comedy. No, it's not. It's not! Uh. Hmm, this pea soup is as weak as the acting and nowhere near as hemi. Dad, that's so mean. The other critics told me to be mean, and you should always give in to peer pressure. But what if someone bad tells me to... Always. Hmm. Uh, uh. Whoa, this material stinks. I'm gonna have to punch it up on the fly. Oh, I got one. How do you make a King Lear? Put the queen in a bikini. <laughs> Here's another one. Knock, knock. Who's there? Juliet. Juliet who? Juliet, so much pasta bazool, Romeo doesn't want her anymore. Whoa, <laughs> 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 tough crowd. They're booing Shakespeare. That's a good... I like... But... They, they even shame themselves on the commentary going like, it's too easy to write bad jokes for Krusty. <laughs> yeah, I, I... Krusty is so good. I still like... 
This I feel like I like Krusty's bit in this episode maybe the best of everything. I don't know why. Oh, okay. <laughs> I uh I I like Homer. Homer's reply of like as weak as the humor and nowhere near as hammy like that is way too smart a turn of phrase for Homer honestly, but it's That's good. why I feel like this is a, re- a reworked critic script like Mike was implying. Mm, yeah, you know what? I bet you're right. Like Jay uh, gets fired for the thousandth time in his job, becomes a food critic and uh, Marty helps him. You know what? I bet this really is just one of those season three episodes they wrote and then just re- reused it. The platypus man joke would would actually that would exactly fit that with would, writing into 1996. That yeah. would be that era and like a uh, cable guy joke too. Yeah, for and, season three and uh, Cosby mysteries is all fit for writing a script in 1996. Right, and it makes sense. Like Jay would be maybe madder about Jim Carrey or a character in that world would be madder about like Jim Carrey's career being destroyed. I can hear John Lovett say those words about ruining Jim Carrey's career. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, though you know, it's funny in the first in when the critic first did their Jim Carrey joke, it was about how he's not funny and how a talking bud is a lame. Talking bud. <laughs> but, but I think they learned pretty soon. Like, oh, we want to be friends with Jim Carrey. Don't say Jim Carrey's bad at his job. Yeah. Homer telling Lisa say uh, always give in to peer pressure. Classic bad Homer. It's like uh, almost teacher. season one Homer. Uh, yeah, actually, that's exactly what he told Bart. Uh, and then another like too clever headline for Homer: "Nuts to soup." That's uh, that's a really clever headline because, of course, the saying is "soup, soup to nuts." nuts. <laughs> but, but Homer is also saying "nuts to the soup," meaning it's bad. I think it's a Lisa headline. Yeah, well, that's Lisa should be recognizing that she's good at negative criticism, even if she hates it, because she's really good. Yeah. And uh, then we get an Italian stereotype. I like hearing. As as Homer pisses off the Italian chef Dan Castellaneta, going like, "I chop by you good," <laughs> and Jen just, uh, I, it sounds like he says "stramengi," but uh, mm. in the on Frankiac, it just says foreign voice noises. <laughs> okay, I don't think there's any real Italian uh, scholarship going on behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, and then Homer even takes his negativity home with him. Who wants pork chops? Mm. Sorry, Marge. I'm afraid this gets my lowest rating ever. Seven thumbs up. You always like my pork chops. Marge, I'm sorry, but your cooking's only got two moves. Shake and bake. You like shake and bake. You used to put it in your coffee. People change, Marge. My palate has grown more sophisticated. Oh, yeah? What's a palate? Oh, it's a special time in a boy's life when... Gotta go. And Homer did lose a piece of his ear in the last scene. Yeah. Nutted. I think I think we were still fascinated with the Holyfield Tyson 2 match. Yeah. It's like yeah. missing parts of ear humor in the late nineties were uh very popular. Mm-hmm. We could visual- All the late night shows. <laughs> we could visualize what a chunk of ear missing was, and so it was easier to draw it. But yeah, Al Jean returning to old favorites like pork chops. That's true, yeah. He's he's remembering when his old time he's like, We did so many great pork chop jokes. It's time I mean, it feels nothing more classic than Marge entering the room with like, Who wants pork chops? Like, uh, it's, <laughs> it feels very down the middle of the road for Thanks, Marge. Honey. <laughs> uh, though at least she gets a good zing on Homer calling him stupid. But uh, also in the world of games writing, 7 out of 10 is low. Yeah, that, uh, that gets you a call from PR. <laughs> 7 out of 10. Hey, what are you talking about? Assassin's Creed does not deserve a 7 out of 10. I was thinking of like the pitchfork music scale. Mm. Which I guess they go lower, but still like anything under 6, I ain't listening. 
<laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's how people. I mean, that's why I like it. Eight. I when we were working uh, together on our reviews at, at my old website, we would be like, people think an eight is terrible. Like the, an eight is. People just go like, well, why would I spend money on an eight? This needs to be a ten. That's why. That's right. because people like equate that with like the schooling grades or like the how what an eighty transfers to if you're in school. So mm-hmm. when I was at a website called One Up, they use letter grade systems, but those letter grade systems did not transfer well to Metacritic, mm-hmm. which would turn it into a number that was false. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. right, right, right. And you have to like live for Metacritic on these jobs, unfortunately. God, that's, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you. Yeah, that's... See, Homer Homer is maybe having to deal with murderous restaurateurs, but he's not having to deal with PR departments emailing you every day. So. Yeah, Homer's not being blacklisted by anybody at that's, this point. Yeah, that's true. He holds all the power. I we've heard like theme like the Disney PR people I think are very much like this because we've never been invited on our podcast to any sort of Disney event. Uh, but I've just through other people, it's like it seems like they are very strict. I I've heard similar. I've yeah. heard similar. Yeah. I think if you are hurt, if like a part of you in a recording is saying Katzenberg, you're just off. No, <laughs> they just cut you off. Mm-hmm. Even yes, I I mean I I would imagine they probably didn't like it when we were talking about them lobbying the governments. Mm. Uh, to install a Republican government in Anaheim to give them favors. Yeah, they probably wouldn't like that. No, or they're I don't like, know. If they uh, listen. I'm not. I don't think they listen necessarily. But I think they probably wouldn't like that if they heard it. Or they're like pre-COVID nineteen coughing party they had one last night, just coughing oh, yeah. each other's faces. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh! And they made a big video out of it too. Oh, it's so fun. Uh, and then God. people were like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" And then they pulled the video pretty quickly. <laughs> You can trace a thousand cases to that event alone. <laughs> I think so. I think uh, yes. from all over the world, those wonderful cases. I, uh, but you know what? If they don't reopen in time for that Spider-Man ride, I'm gonna have to. I, I'm gonna become one of the MAGA people demanding things reopen. Yeah, I look. I've been calling for the immediate reopening of the economy so I can go and have a, a food item at the Pim's Test Kitchen. Oh man, that 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 burger's so big. It's going to be the food is big or small. You don't know what it is. And I am willing. <laughs> I know that uh, the older people in my family are willing to get coronavirus just so I can enjoy the different fun foods at California Adventure. <laughs> That's the cost uh, of fun. It's the, co- it's the cost yeah. of fun. And it's it's what America's all about, which is why the old folks are willing to, to contract the disease. Uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, uh, Disney has stopped construction. Universal is building through all of this really wow at the epic universe they've they're just building 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 from what i understand they are building everything they were already building uh nintendo land is still going forward in hollywood at the pace it was before they're building like 24 hours around the clock dang man so nintendo Uh, so disney will probably have all their stuff delayed and universal will not Man, that will only make the line at the Super Mario Kart ride even worse. That's right. Uh, and I, uh, okay, but in the next scene, this is this is turning into podcast ride. It's dangerous. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I'm as guilty as you. I, uh, but Homer decides he doesn't need Lisa anymore. So come to the legless frog if you want to get sick and die and leave a big garlicky corpse. P.S. Parking was ample. Dad, you're being cruel for no reason. What will people think? People will think what I tell them to think when you tell me what to tell them to think. Not anymore. I don't want to be partners with a man who thinks like that. 
Nobody talks to me that way. I'm Homer Simpson, the most powerful food critic in town who will never get his comeuppance. You hear me? No comeuppance! We'll be right back. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I love the fourth wall breaking because it reminds me of when he did that on uh, Smartline. Yeah, yeah. With that was done, but, but that didn't... In that case, that was him doing it on a TV show he knew he was on. In yeah. this case, this is Homer knowing he is on television yeah. in his daughter's bedroom. I think I might remember this episode because I made fun of a friend because he quoted that line when this episode was new. And he I don't think he'd ever heard the word comeuppance before. And he said, Kermuffins. <laughs> and I, wow. I guess he thought the word was Kermuffins. Kermuffin, so man. that was a big... Uh, That's good. I love Homer saying he'll get no comeuppance because, again, that's him knowing he's in a script where, obviously, if in Act 2, he know he should know in Act 3 he's going to get a comeuppance, but he is saying that none shall come to me. It will never happen. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah. he's uh, He avoids it until after the credits, so I think Homer's right. <laughs> uh, though also i feel like critic had that gag too of saying like to the camera we'll be right back again more another smoking gun yeah <laughs> jay sherman talked to camera quite a lot actually uh telling people on fox you'll see a, a flaming horse's ass and uh, so it comes back homer is writing again with some new partners I don't need Lisa to write a good review. The food at the gilded truffle really uh, what's a good word Sucks! That's great! And the bread was really... Come on, help me out here! Ruff! Ruff? I don't know. You've been pitching that all night. Chewy? <laughs> Chewy! That's inspired! Oh, I love that one, too. Like, yeah. back okay, to back. that's the best joke in the episode. Yeah. yeah. Back right. to back, the we'll be right back and chewy. Chewy. Uh, yeah. I, that is really great. I also feel like uh, Mac Rating would definitely have vetoed the dog talking. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was very funny, especially because rough actually does work. Like, the bread was rough. Like, that that would work. But I love I love that Homer is now taking on the stance of being the one guy at the, at the computer in a writer's room who who can reject it by going like you've been pitching that all night <laughs> uh is this the what episode is it where the dog and cat are on their hind legs and they start like saying i love you the stampy episode yeah yeah oh yeah 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 <laughs> so, so it's, it's not as, yeah it's not his first time talking but, but it's it's that and i think in that case it's accurate like <laughs> what if a pet tried to talk this he's just saying chewy <laughs> with with uh, homer's voice i mean that's dan castellana doing yeah. a dog voice and it's in the dr- drawing of Santa's little helper's face when he says it is so funny too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yes, Homer co-writing this with a bunch of uh, people who can't speak doesn't work out so well. Homer, what goes with this review? You say the salad tastes like bark, and the potatoes were very. This reads like it was written by a dog. Are you crazy? A dog can't type. Unfortunately. Listen, you gotta shape up. Next week is the Taste of Springfield Festival. And you'll be reviewing every restaurant in town. Remember, people have certain expectations about the Lifeways section. Really? Like what? Oh, I don't know. Astrology? Broomhilda? Vacation horror stories? Articles about chronic fatigue syndrome? You know, chick crap. <laughs> Broomhilda is a comic I didn't even know about until I saw this again. I didn't realize what he was talking about. I thought it was like another column, but no, Broomhilda 
is a comic about a witch that started in 1970, and yes, it's still running. Of course, of yeah. course, it's still. I it wasn't in my paper. I didn't. I I only. Lo- I know it's a comic just because I looked up like what is this word Ed Asner saying? But yeah, I never had it. Hmm, I feel sad. I mean, I was a big Broomhilda kid. Oh really, man? I liked Broomhilda. <laughs> Uh, these are the, you know, we just had, uh, we had our own page of the newspaper where I grew up and then Broomhilda was not invited. Is she King Features? Mm, I don't know. Maybe Maybe. she's not King Features. I mean, you know, if, uh, I could see, I would, look, I would have happily traded Snuffy Smith for Broomhilda. I'd rather, I'd (laughs) rather have that. No. I don't know who Snuffy Smith is. Oh, see, you didn't have Snuffy. That's the reason why we don't know about Broomhilda, Henry. Uh, she was part of the Tribune Content Agency. Oh, I see. Mm. So more of this Chicago Tribune stuff here. I see. Wow. I didn't realize she was owned by the Tribune. Wow. That's uh and it's just funny to hear Ed Asner say Broomhilda as well. Yes. Uh yes, oh. uh the Tribune Content Agency also uh distributes uh Gasoline Alley, oh, uh mm. Love Is and Pluggers. Oh god wait, Pluggers. Pluggers is like uh a st- wait, I think Pluggers is that super boomer comic. It's like if you're this, you're a plugger. Oh well. Okay. Plugger is like an old stick in the mud, salt of the earth type. I see. Okay. I now love is I only know because of a Simpsons joke as well. Like it is the two naked eight year olds who are married. Uh, also, they get a lot of uh, mileage out of Homer's bad author photo. I really love it. You see it like three times, three or four times the episode. And it's funny. It, every it's time. very funny. I do like that. Again, this editor. First off, when Homer tried to publish uh, a review of a piece of pizza he found under his couch you shouldn't publish that like already now when he gets this copy back again he should be like homer you're fired you've been on a razor's edge this whole time uh this is terrible copy you're fired <laughs> i think this editor just has a brain tumor and it's like the the c plots <laughs> we're not learning about yeah <laughs> he's going through some things well you know on lou grant he was an alcoholic he actually or mm. well they okay a mary tyler moore that was recurring jokes that Lou Grant uh, drank too much. And then when they wanted to be serious on the Lou Grant show, they're like, eh, he doesn't drink all the time. We won't do that. <laughs> it's not, unless they want to do a plot about him getting sober. It's, uh, it's just kind of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, fun when it's a comedy. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to the big action of the third act, the, the restaurateurs deciding they're going to get together and kill Homer. And you've got several who have uh, appeared over the course of the series. They do have to make up like Izzy uh, from Izzy's Deli. I don't think we've seen A real him deli. Before. Yeah. Yeah. I think Al Jean wrote this thinking, oh, yeah, we have so many restaurateurs. Really, there's four. Yes, there's not yeah. that many. <laughs> and uh, one has to be done by Hank Azaria, the master of accents, <laughs> in, this, uh, in this next clip. We'll give Homer all he can eat till he can eat no. No more. Then he'll get his just deserted. This will be of our Simpsons' last lanyard. Come on, you're gonna kill him with the pastry? I've seen this man eat a bowl of change. This eclair is over one million calories, 25 pounds of butter per square inch, covered with chocolate so dark, light cannot escape its surface. No, 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 this is just a picture. (laughs) But Homer Simpson will find the real thing, both delicious and deadly. Ah, yes. Death by chocolate. Ah, ah, ah. Oh. And poison. I'll stick in some poison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so <sighs> many accents. The uh, I, that Frenchman is from the Ship of Lost Souls, by the way. Oh, right, <laughs> and it's based on Jean Renault, right? Yes, yes, yeah, from yeah. Uh, Leon. Oh, yeah. So maybe that's how they got him there because the sea captain knew him from the Honey Bunch, and he's like, oh, I know, I know this French guy. He he killed a tiger, so he'll he could kill him. I, th- I think like uh, George Takei rarely plays Akira. I think Hank Azaria did Akira five times for every time George Takei did him. But George Takei was just in season 10 as the game show host, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. It's, it's yeah. weird he doesn't come back for Akira, but I guess Hank just took him over. But now, yeah. I, can he do that now? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm making my problem with Akira so. uh, documentary. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, I honestly, I, it is funny. You just, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> that was my brain watching this. Uh, yeah, in, in 1999, we uh, us watching it, we're like, eh, yeah, it's a voice. Yeah, yeah I mean, voice. like, he's doing uh, Sulu, but he's making it more Japanese. Because mm. the Sulu was like, yes, Captain. Yeah. But he, there's never yeah, any, like... It feels like doing a regular Sulu is okay. I don't know. Somebody can tell me if that's problematic or not. But if I just go, oh, bye, Captain. Well, yeah, 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 like he he enunciated very clearly with an American accent in that, uh, almost like overcorrecting himself in that show. Yeah, TK, yes. TK has such a specific voice that I don't feel that impersonating it is, you know, uh, mocking a stereotype of a Japanese voice. I, 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 I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if you, if folks feel that way too, but I, but the inflection he gives on akira is much more of a japanese immigrant uh touch to it than just the george takei captain oh my oh my uh, oh my i mean now all george takei does is like like seriously he's a joke thief like or, or whoever runs his twitter it's account whatever millennial thief. running yeah. his twitter account i'm <laughs> oh, sorry no I think, I think it's a zoomer at this point oh yeah he's got a hip zoomer <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's uh, also that uh, his last long yap. Lo- like I'd never heard of that before. It's a uh, the, but it's a real thing they give you at the end of a fancy meal hmm. when he says like his last long yap. That's uh, I had to Google that. I don't. I don't know. Like Google it yourselves. I, it's it's a fancy thing. I've never that been at a fancy enough place. Pastry look good though. Oh my god! It's I'm I am dieting right now, and it really sucks to see that eclair on screen. I'm just I I just want to eat ten of them. <laughs> yeah, it looked it did look pretty good. I think the only places I've had an eclair, a, a true French version of it, is at uh, France Land in Epcot. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think when of the when my last eclair was. Uh, it's been a long time, but it does feel like uh, yeah that it was probably in the world showcase. <laughs> I you know I turn away from the French products. I give me an old American apple fritter, just a a pile of fried dough and apple with no artistry to it. You just <laughs> dunk it in a fryer. Yes, that's it. <laughs> yes, uh, now especially during this political climate, that's what I eat as well. I try to get. <laughs> Just try to eat some American slop. <laughs> I had an apple fritter recently, and it, and my thought just was like, uh, like this is just a ball, like just an un unflattering ball of dough. It's a it's fried just, heap. It's just a heap. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Homer uh, is heading to Homer heads to the uh, the food uh, review place, and uh, he runs into his ex partner. Homie, my woman's intuition's acting up. Something bad's going to happen if you go in there. Oh, Marge, something bad usually happens to me when I go in anywhere. <whistles> oh! 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 
A bat. Now that's a new one. So, what are you up to, young lady? I'm reviewing the festival for our school paper. Oh. Well, I'm glad to see my ex-partner is doing so well without me. <laughs> now Gene says that's what he does every time he sees Mike Reese publishing other kids' books. <laughs> it's a cute joke. Uh, and Homer being attacked by the bat again, that's a very funny joke to me. <laughs> yes, although it hits a little too close to home these days. Oh, oh no. With all of our bat right. face illnesses. That's correct. Yeah. Darn, Homer, can Homer they, carried can, it first. Can they still make a Batman movie? Oh, man, it's it's it seems to, uh, the Q rating's down on Batman right now. Oh, they'll, yeah, they'll call it something different, just like, uh, uh, like Hero Man or something, <laughs> like something generic. Mm. They're going to have to reshoot all that Matt Reeves Batman movie they were making. Actually, I guess probably shooting is suspended on that, like everything, so. Yeah, I think it's, I think so. I think there might be like some secret produ- like productions that are are secretly still going. I think so. And then when the movies come out, they're like, no, no, no. We this was all filmed before. Yes, I think that is what will happen. And people are like that. The time frame doesn't add up, and they'll be like, shh. <laughs> Let us at. We want to see movies again. Look at the newspapers in the background, people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so Homer he's exploring uh, the festival. We get to see uh, a fun joke about the egg beater being prepared like it's a sniper rifle. That's fun. I do like that. The, the whisk. <laughs> and uh, then we get to see a little joke about like giving up. That's that's both villains laughing to themselves and also talking about someone getting so fat they just give up. <laughs> Tis a good sign. Homer's unfastened the top button on his pants. Uh, no, he's been walking around like that since Thanksgiving. I'm surprised he just doesn't give it up and go for sweatpants. He says the crotch wears out too fast. Yar, that's going to replace the whale in my nightmares. <laughs> well, don't worry. The giant eclair will knock Homer off the food page and into the obituaries. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. They're going to kill Dad. <laughs> Bart just like resurfaces in this episode. Yeah. It, why couldn't this be Lisa finding it there out? There really is a Bart. <laughs> And uh, well, I also, you know, as uh, it's a question many overweight men have to ask themselves: like, do you just get sweatpants, or do you give up? Do you give up on that belt? It's uh, I've I've refused it to to this day, but it's it's a it's a question we all must then all ask. You know, ourselves. you hit bottom. Yes, yeah, I think that's not. <laughs> it's not about the crotch uh, wearing out. In my case, it's more just like, uh, will I just give up and wear sweatpants like my overweight guy in his 50s down the hall who gets uh, high every day in my, in my uh, building. <laughs> or maybe he's he only knows happiness. We don't know you it. You know what? He can be pretty happy. He Honestly, he's a Kyle Gass man. Like oh, that's, okay. He looks quite a lot. And that guy's pretty happy. Mm. I mean, I've been wearing like gym shorts and at, like uh, track pants since quarantine has happened. So, Well, I mean, when Bob isn't here, I am wearing just my boxers. Like mm. I, I don't put on I put on pants as, as a friendly motion Thank you. for Bob. <laughs> right. That's a nice, yes, that's a courtesy. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Bart uh, Bart laughing and then heading off. Uh, is It's a cute way to shove him back in. Then uh, we get a funny visual gag of the guy pulling up butter and then poison and then the antidote and then quickly pulling the antidote out. And uh, then there's a really odd joke, too, of... Uh, well, okay. Lisa is telling everybody where to look for people. And I think there was an animation screw up where she says, you look for them, clap, break, and then they run off. I think it 
you know, wouldn't it normally go, okay, everybody, let's do this. Break. And then clap. But she goes, clap, and then break. I think Mm. on the animation side, they had her clap too early, and they just kept it in and and put the sound effect over it. Could be. I don't know what the rules are for that. When you go like, all right, everybody, break. Hmm. Yes, that would make sense. I feel like the the clap was animated first, Yeah, and they just had to go with it, because that's not retake material. I I don't think so. Uh, And uh, Homer is so heavy that his belly button turns from innie to outie, which I read happens to many people who go through pregnancy. Okay. uh, It eventually does shove your belly button out the other way. I I remember when uh, Lori Metcalf was pregnant, as Jackie on Roseanne, she would show off her belly in, in episodes. And I think that was the first time I saw a pregnant woman's Audi belly button in, on television. They, they broke barriers there. <laughs> we all, there's always those retrospectives about that moment on TV every year. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Homer passes by uh, two cla- old Simpsons restaurant jokes, too. We get the Texas Cheesecake Depository and Finney's Q Butterfats 5600 Flavors of Ice Cream Parlor. <laughs> Nice. Which uh, Finney's Q Butterfats, that is, that's a universal che- yes. Texas Cheesecake Depository not. Too dark to be a fake <laughs> restaurant. They should be. It should be there, though. I'd, uh, you know, Luigi's, I think, is the most perfect one for there because hey, you need like cafeteria style pizza available at every part of a, a park so little kids can eat it. You need, you need to have the chicken nuggets and terrible pizza because picky little kids will only eat those things. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they they knew they're like, okay, what do we do well and what sells? Let's <laughs> figure out. Let's because there's no there's no was Cletus's chicken check doesn't appear in the Simpsons ever, does it? I, if they ever put it in, it would have been after they made it up for the, right. for yeah. the park. Yeah. So they just sort of were like combing through with a ready, uh, you know, they knew what works in a theme park, what dad will eat. You yeah. can see, you can also see the stereotypes they can use in a theme park. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Though, though Cletus is like one of the most disgusting characters on the show who eats roadkill so uh one imagining him as a business owner that's crazy enough but second like how appetite he cletus is not appetizing to me the only reason i ate uh when i went there one time was just to have the back to the future chicken Mm. along with that blueberry biscuit which is pretty tasty that's that's what i love yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, but... you could eat a crusty burger there, but every joke about the crusty burger on The Simpsons is how disgusting it is. Yes, yes, I think that is what is funny about crusty burger is like they just talk about it's just disgusting, and then they sell it to you. <laughs> like, oh, I swallowed some of it. <laughs> I'll be tasting yeah. that for weeks. Uh, you're you're supposed to, I guess. But then again, this uh, they this is the same place that gets the flaming mo color wrong, and it's yeah. not alcoholic, so. You know, they they fudge realities. Yeah, and there's no like cough syrup taste in it either. <laughs> it's it's all wrong. It's all wrong. I yeah, it is shocking how wrong it is. <laughs> there <laughs> there's should so be... much that's right there. Yeah, they get lots of stuff right. I but... mean, now that we have Star Wars Cantina, there should be like a real Moe's that serves you actual like beer in glasses yeah. and gives you the flaming Moe that's on fire. I, I... Yes, I think that uh, Universal is behind when it comes to merch and food, like. They, they open up a little tiki bar area outside Jurassic World, which is certainly a good step and a step in the right direction. But they don't have any, like, dinosaur-themed tiki mugs. They don't have, like, Scott came up with this great idea that honestly would make Universal millions of dollars. Is a is a Mr. DNA, like, piece of sugar in one of the cocktails. Ooh, that'd be great. Like, like people, like, Universal, I think, is leaving a lot on the table as far as uh, merch and, and food items. 
I, I spent fifty dollars on a tiki drink to get my yub nub cup. Like, of course, yeah. yeah the Simpsons. Merch, I have a yub nub. The Simpsons merch at Simpsons World is like what you find at Target. It's not good. It could yes. be better. Yeah. yeah, I the big pink's the best thing they got, and even that's like eh, it's a big donut. You know, They're, they I, have I, that Gabo, the real life Gabo doll in the room, the secret room upstairs. They, they should be selling that doll. Yeah, exactly. They should have yeah. every evil doll in The Simpsons. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's uh, nerds, uh, I assume, like us, would buy those things. I for sure would buy <laughs> that Gabo ventriloquist puppet. Well, now that Disney owns Simpsons, I can't see them negotiating with Universal to get better things there. I don't. I don't see that happening. No, and that's probably. I think there's a. I think there's a contract that runs out too. So I don't think Simpsons will be around maybe past 2030 or something. Mm, all right, it's time. This this is our final decade to enjoy the Simpsons ride. I think very possibly yes. Well, also rides barely last 20 years at Universal anyway. So you you should just count on it ending in 2020 as as is my pitch is bring back to the future back it's it's yep. it bring, i mean the 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 ads are right there back to back <laughs> to the future Yes. Get in that 40-year-old co- ride and have fun. <laughs> it'll uh, coincide, though, with uh, probably a Back to the Future reboot, too. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I can't true. live to see that. <laughs> as soon as Zemeckis is dead. Oh, God. Jesus. That's what it's... Uh, I think that's for sure. He's basically said, like, until I'm dead, it's not going to happen. And then mm. they open Marwen Land. <laughs> well, God. he wants <laughs> Marwen Land. He's excited about that. <laughs> Within, do you think they'll wait three months to even announce it after he's dead? Like, do you think they'll be like, uh, let people have a morning period no I, I i think it'll be within the 48 hours <laughs> uh homer is about to eat the eclair uh lisa warns him and homer though he's pretty ready for death Ooh, that looks scrum diddly doodly dudly diddlos. a rude frenchman well i never <laughs> Ooh, sweet I've had a good run. Don't! Uh, um, it's Longfat! No! Whew, that was close. Thank God it landed in that smoking crater. <laughs> so Uter is missing and Hans Molman is dead. Yeah. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Molman will be in the oh, Muppets group at the That's end right. There. That's right. Yeah. I do love the twist that, like, like the, the plot is not that Homer needs to stop dying. It's like he needs to be convinced that he shouldn't die. Yes. <laughs> He's yeah. like, Dad, you're going to die. I don't care. Yeah. I, I, this thing is too <laughs> delicious looking to not die for her. So I guess the ultimate resolution is he has to be tricked into not killing himself. Yeah, which is probably how they are used to living with Homer at this point. He yeah he ra- yes he it is also mimics I think a certain like my my father does not like eating like non fat or something like that's a very offensive thing. Mm. So I think it mimics also maybe a, it's a generational thing as well. Like oh yeah, they'd rather eat, they'd rather die than eat a low fat something i think it's like seen as effeminate or whatever just mm, like i guess maybe that is probably it, what it is that's the diet cola situation yeah they have yeah. to rebrand diet things and like hygiene products so men will actually buy them <laughs> right yeah yes. i i hope the younger generations aren't as worried about that stuff but uh and, and they and they buy products as they should with the correct branding that's why we have like coke zero and pepsi one yeah that's why we have yeah. those yeah now the uh i mean homer's freak out to, or his 
him caring about low fat. I think that, you know, the perception in the nineties was, you know, low fat ice cream, way worse than real ice cream, low fat. It's always the worst version of garbage. Like I, I definitely had the feeling of like, well, if I'm going to eat garbage, why am I eating low fat ice cream? I want cream? prime garbage. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate garbage. Uh, and, uh, yeah, mole man gruel, that's what explodes there too. Which, and the reaction of the cops, uh, to like, thank God it landed in this smoking crater. That's a good joke too. There's a lot of good jokes in this. Mm-hmm. I, a lot I, of good I, jokes. Hey, this episode is not on trial. I like yeah, it. Yeah. I just wish Homer was slightly nicer because this, the, his final line here with Lisa I, is a little too mean. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> it, it is. Lisa's like it? shock and uh, dismay at what he says. And then it just like skirted over immediately. <laughs> Take him into Custody, boys. <laughs> Attempted murder one. Now, boys, what would you say to some Belgian waffles? Well, actually, I was in the mood for some frittatas. <laughs> Lou and his frittatas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he likes eggs. <laughs> oh, Lisa, you saved me. And after all the bad things I said about you. What bad things? Why? Lisa, the important thing is I didn't get my comeuppance. And I never will. <laughs> uh, Dad? I know, honey. The important thing is... Run! <laughs> Finally getting my comeuppance! Uh, yeah, I do. I like after all those bad things I said about it, she's like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, I love your, what bad things? Why? <laughs> Uh, Poor Lisa. She she gets it pretty harsh in this. It's not the sweetest uh, ending. Scully years are not kind to Lisa or Marge. No, nope. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but yeah, the also for a show that you know was getting guilty of completely forgetting the first act by the end. The idea of having like all the characters from even the first act, including the zoo animals, like even I had to go like zoo. A- oh right, yeah. Weren't Homer. they happy to escape? Why do they uh, want to get revenge on Homer? I guess they're mad he scared him with his dough. Horrible I freedom. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and Burns is still fat in that drawing. They even not only draw him as part of the crowd glaring at Homer, but you'd even see him running after Homer too. So Fat Burns is still mad. It's got to be a well. Comic Con exclusive figure, Fat Burns. Uh, I want that Fat Burns. <laughs> yeah, NECA really should start those Simpsons toys up again and give us what we want. Yeah, he, but he, you need to have shin-breaking action on him. You need to be able to break the shins. <laughs> well, NECA's doing some just incredible things with uh, posability, so I think that's possible. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think they can do it. I no, I still have my prize NECA uh, off-camera here. I look to it as I say it, my uh, Bret Hart from The oh, Simpsons, yeah. signed by Bret Hart. The 25-year oh, yeah. collection. That's good, great, man. Now that's five years old, I guess, at this point. Six. Six. Ah, uh, you got yeah. me. <laughs> You're, you know, I thought I remembered this as a l- episode I liked less, but re-watching it for this, uh, I was like, wow, this is way funnier than I remember. Just joke after joke after joke. I wish Homer was less mean, but it's just, this is season 11, Homer's say, mean. Get used to it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're getting as mean as Homer. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was a much meaner time for comedy, I think. That this too. in the post-9-11 years, which we'll be getting into soon. They, they, gotta, they gotta keep up in the meanness race with Family Guy in South Park. Yeah, like Homer, yeah. Homer can't be as... This sweet old man. Yeah, it was a means a mean arms race. <laughs> uh, but I guess, Mike, any final thoughts? Uh, nothing, nothing uh, revelatory. Uh, <laughs> just I, that dog. I love a dog talking, and that's that. I 
really was happy to be reacquainted with that joke when the dog uh, talks. And I went back and I looked that scene up on Frankie Eck and I gifted just while we were talking and they just give him a human mouth for that scene. <laughs> they just, just give him the human mouth chart. It's really creepy if you just have it on a loop. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah. Man. But uh, yes, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. It's been a long recording session, but of course you're part of Podcast The Ride. We love it. Can you tell people where to find you and also about your Patreon, which I am on and I love all the Me extra too. stuff. Me So good. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, Podcast Ride is, you know, all the places podcasts are. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram at Podcast The Ride. Uh, our Patreon is just patreon.com, whatever, slash Podcast The Ride. Uh, me personally, I'm at Fat Carlson on Twitter, P-H-A-T. Uh, C-A-R-L-S-O-N. That was my backyard wrestling name, and it has stuck with me all these mm. years. So, and I'm, yeah, I'm I'm doing Twitch. I'm on Twitch now, Ooh, because whoa. why not? Mm-hmm. We're, we were doing some stuff with podcasts right on Twitch, and I do stuff and stuff alone. We'll see when this comes out how much I'm still doing it. I think it might all depend on if we're still inside or not. But at the very least, there's some good archives on Twitch folks can watch. Yes. Uh, we, we have some, we did a bracket of the best theme park doctors. Hmm. And I won't say who wins, but you know it's because it's you know the doctors from the Avatar ride, uh, Doctor Seeker from Dinosaur and Animal Kingdom, hmm. uh, Doc Brown from the Back to the Future ride. I've never I've never been to Animal Kingdom, so I'm gonna have to side with Doc Brown on this one. Yeah, I'm back in him. <laughs> when uh, when I last went to Universal Hollywood at the end of the studio tour i got off and there was the doc brown impersonator there and it was the most excited i was all day like oh my god it's doc brown like it was just a treat <laughs> to see him yes i yeah they i don't think he's been running around since they took all the back to the future stuff out oh i could be wrong i uh, this was him and his future guard this was him and his 2015 future guard yeah, i love I, that I got to see him so yes think back to the future will come back in a way whether there's a new movie or not which there will surely be a new movie eventually but uh i do feel like they they sort of know they have like the nostalgia for back to the future is so strong still to this day mm-hmm. so hopefully hopefully he'll roam around again in his uh his outfits also neca making back to the future stuff now oh wow i didn't know i knew i knew bob gale had been writing some back to the future comics but uh hmm so anyway yes uh thanks for having me thank you so much thanks for being part of this so thanks so much to mike carlson for being on the show and please check out his podcast podcast the ride we love it so much but as for us if you want to support our show and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad free please go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons and if you sign up for the five dollar level you'll get just that but also access to everything behind the five dollar paywall that includes all the stuff we made over the past nearly three years of the patreon including all of our limited miniseries the most recent of which is talking mission hill we're going through all 13 episodes of mission hill the post simpsons series by oakley and weinstein we're loving it we're having a lot of fun there that is only on the patreon at the five dollar level along with a hundred plus bonus podcast you can't get on the free feed at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and henry can tell everybody out there what's happening at the ten dollar level one extra long podcast once a month just for patrons at ten dollars and up that's right at patreon.com slash talking simpsons each month we do the what a cartoon movie every month we do a different animated feature film recent ones have included toy story 2 and the loop on the third film castle of cagliostro directed by hayao miyazaki tons of great stuff that you can only see if you go to the patreon at 10 bucks a month patreon.com slash talking simpsons
So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retro Knots. That's a classic gaming podcast. Find it wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts and find uh, lots of stuff there, but two exclusive episodes every month just for patrons at patreon.com slash retronauts. Henry, how about you? Hey, follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Anytime new stuff's happening in my life, I'm sure to tweet about it. Lots of fun stuff there. Plus, if you enjoy this podcast, you really should be following the official Twitter for it. At Talk Simpsons Pod. That's at Talk Simpsons Pod to stay in the loop. Whenever new podcasts go up on the free feeds or the Patreon, even the surprise interviews and stuff that we do as well, you'll find tons there. So please check it out at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time for Treehouse of Horror 10, and we will see you then. Hey, I know how we can have some fun. I spy with my little eye something beginning with D. Dingus! God bless you, Nelson Muntz. I'm no hero. I just like to hit people in the head.